1: Coming up on today's show, Sony bought Bungie, EA is talking NFTs and special guest Michelle Morrow is here. What's good everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined, as always, by Brittany Brombacher. Hello Andrea Renee. Hello. How's it going, Britt?
2: Going lovely, seeing your fine face, which I missed so okay. much last week, but Brian was fantastic.
1: He was. He you was. guys chatted Pokemon, okay. <laughs> and we are also joined by special guest, actress and content creator Michelle Morrow. <laughs>
0: Hello.
1: <laughs> Hello. Hey guys. Hey. So how you doing? It's been forever. I know. Uh, we. I was telling Brittany how fortunate I felt to run into you at the Arcane premiere, where I also ran into Jackie Jing, who was on the show just a couple weeks ago, and. I was like, I can't believe we haven't had Michelle on the show yet. We gotta get Michelle on the show. (laughs) So I'm so glad that you are here and we're gonna have so much to talk about. You there's a lot of news this week. We caught a good week, yeah. (laughs) Jeez, gaming. (laughs) We're not gonna
2: be twiddling our thumbs, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. No, no, uh, that's for sure And for everyone who maybe is like, oh my gosh, that girl, Michelle, she looks familiar Maybe you saw Michelle hosting BlizzCon Maybe you saw her doing some cool YouTube projects like Good Game Or, you know, a whole host of other uh, really cool media things or (laughs) projects Uh, You know, it's interesting when you talk about your career It's so vast, all the different hats that you've worn It's almost like... My cat is here to be in this moment. Oh, no, let's. No, cats are great for
0: me. Come on, kitty. I see see
1: the fluff ball on the corner of your screen. She's
0: there. Bring her over. Come on, Sam. This is Samus.
1: (gasps) Oh, yes.
0: (gasps) She is so
1: cute, Samus.
2: (laughs) She looks so happy.
1: So so fluffy. She looks so
2: thrilled to be there. It's Look. pretty remarkable.
1: Your mom was getting we,
0: complimented. This is how you treat me.
1: <laughs> we love a good cat cameo, but we'll talk about we'll talk about everything that you've been working on oh. and have worked on a little bit later on <laughs> in the show. I want to give a big thank you to our Patreon producers: Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopolis, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Gudere, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community: Fargo Brady and Rach Young. I think that was Brittany. Rachel. It looks like we. Sorry, oh, Rachel. Many people call her Rach. Who you are, knows? Yeah,
2: Rachel Young. You are now, henceforth, known as just Rach.
1: We are <laughs> on a nickname basis, apparently. <laughs> so welcome, welcome to the community. Uh, and Brittany, it looks like we have a couple new podcast reviewers. We
2: do. We have Lil Wormy <laughs> and Evie fourteen exclamation point. Thank you so much for these kind, kind reviews. We say it every week, but we cannot say it enough. They really mean a lot to us um, personally and professionally, but they also really, really help us in those podcast charts, which, you know, in turn gets more people to listen to What's Good Games and friends. And if I could ask you for one little small favor, if you wouldn't mind helping us out just a little bit more, if you could take a few minutes and fill out a brief survey that is being hosted by our friends at Rooster Teeth, it is in the show notes. And it's just pretty much gauging your temperature. How often do you listen to our show? Where do you listen to our show? Do you listen to the whole thing, et cetera, et cetera? It shouldn't take more than a few minutes and it will just really help us get some audience insight and help Rooster Teeth Help remind Rooster Teeth that they need to keep us around forever and ever. You know what I'm saying, (laughs) Andrea? Yeah, Yeah. because we're
1: the best. Yeah, duh. Yeah. Yeah, of course. They need more WGG in their life. It's true. Um, All right. This show is also brought to you by MeUndies and Fixture Gaming, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a bit. I want to dive right into (laughs) this whopper of a news story. You know, it feels like, the hits just keep coming when it comes to acquisition news in video games. What a wow. mammoth January yeah. it was in video game acquisitions. Lots of money changing hands. And the latest is that Sony has bought Bungie for $3.6 billion. <sighs> yeah. I, I tweeted that I did not see this coming knowing that Bungie had quite a long road to becoming an independent studio, but... But hey, you know, this one is an interesting one. So over on gamesindustry.biz, they wrote that after the deal closes, Bungie will be an independent subsidiary of Sony Interactive Entertainment run by a board of directors consisting of the current CEO and chairman, Pete Parsons and the rest of the studio's current management team. Sony has said the Bungie will remain a multi-platform studio with the option to self-publish and reach players wherever they choose to play. At present, the studio is working on maintaining Destiny 2, of course, which Queen's coming in just three weeks, expanding the Destiny franchise, and working on new IP, which we know has been in the works for quite some time. So there's some quotes um, in this story from Jim Ryan, of course, talking about Bungie and PlayStation DNA and their partnership throughout Destiny. And then they're talking about where their IP will go, yada, yada, yada. The thing that I wanted to kind of skip to, which I thought was really interesting, is the idea that it wasn't that long ago, even though I guess technically it was like 20 years ago. Was it twenty years ago that Microsoft acquired Bungie exactly. back in two thousand, mm-hmm. and then they left Microsoft, and then they signed up with Activision in a ten-year deal, and then they left Activision, and then we thought, oh, Bungie's going to be out on their own. Nope, now mm-hmm. they're with PlayStation, and they are apparently going to work with PlayStation Studios to launch more than ten live service games by fiscal. 2026. Oh, that like God. secondary, like hidden headline within that story is kind of what like, blew where my mind. Where is it on here? That's insane. So it's, so it's at the bottom of the of the, of the the notes here. So it's a separate story where I said, LOL, what? That's the link to oh. the story. <laughs> yeah, <you did>. um, <laughs> wow. I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that that wasn't really kind of the focus of this yeah. acquisition. So that to me, is probably the reason why PlayStation made such a big show of being like, Bungie's going to remain independent because it sounds like they're going to leverage their amazing live service and multiplayer technology that they developed for destiny, which I beat a drum about how good their multiplayer is Fantastic. and how good their live service team is best in class in the business, I think. Um, and, PlayStation doesn't really have that for any of their first party teams. So that's clearly why they made this deal and allowed Bungie to retain their independence. What I love about this Eurogamer story that talks more about this 10 live service games deal is they kind of hypothesize about like, hmm, what could these 10 games be coming by March 2026, which is not that far away. It's four years Mm -hmm. away. 10 live service games. So they hypothesized the unnamed um, Bungie IP, which is codenamed Matter. Mm -hmm. So is that going to be PlayStation exclusive or will it be multi-platform? TBD. Um, Naughty Dog has been rumored to be working on a multiplayer only thing. That could be one of the uh, live service things, right? Twisted Metal is reportedly Mm -hmm. in development. Yes. Right, so, and then Gorilla has some online stuff going on because they've been hiring for online development roles. And then they also theorize- There's also Sucker Punch
2: and Insomniac. Right?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those two two teams really haven't done live service at all, right? Uh, But I think Sucker Punch opened the door with Ghost of Tsushima Legends. So good. And what they started with that for multiplayer, and if- based off how well that was received, I think Sucker Punch has a really good base to potentially do a live service multiplayer iteration of that if they wanted to. And then, you know, the team over at Eurogamer also hypothesized that Deviation Games, the brand new studio that's currently working on a new IP for PlayStation that is made up of former Call of Duty Black Ops devs, obviously could be (laughs) live service based. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're like, what about Jade Raymond's studio? Mm -hmm. What's she doing? I don't, to me, like Jade Studio doesn't really smack of being a live service. She feels more of like a like tentpole narrative single player kind of um, studio, just based off her pedigree and where she comes from as a as a game maker. But you never know, so it's it's interesting to me, Ma- Michelle. What do you think about this Bungie news? I mean,
0: <laughs> it's uh, it was surprising. That's for sure. I don't think anybody saw it coming, right? Um, I mean, the first thing I thought was like you know, it gives them a it gives them a, a big MMO for like the multi or the metaverse, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to have a metaverse game like that, at least like futuristically thinking about it. Um, you know, Xbox now has also World of Warcraft um, or, Mi- or Microsoft. So I, I would a ima- Nintendo already has those kinds of worlds that you can kind of get into between like Pokemon and everything else. So I kind of saw this as like a metaverse play. But all of this consolidation that's kind of going on is like a play for the metaverse. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, Um, but it's it is interesting. I mean, I'm I don't know how they're going to turn out 10 games, but, you know, maybe it's just that they're working with different studios, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's. You know it's really
2: interesting because I think a lot of folks were like, okay. So when you think of like the Activision Blizzard deal, right? You think, well, clearly we know what Microsoft is getting out of this, like Activision Blizzard. Like, what do they have in their little in their little everything. pocketbook there? Yeah, right, everything. Um, but then when you see a Sony acquisition, which I mean, a big one like this, I feel like it's been well, been a while, right? Um, it's like okay, cool. Like, what are they getting? And then it comes out that Bungie is going to continue to independently publish. It's like, well, what, what was the point of that? But like Andrea said, you know, you get that immense treasure trove of knowledge that they have, and now Bungie is just an in-house like consultant in a ways of speaking. And so if they do have these games coming out. Who better? than to make these games for you or tell you what works and what doesn't. Like, I think they are the best at what they do in terms of, like, online online multiplayer mm-hmm. and nailing out a live service game because they've had years and years to try to perfect that craft, and I think they almost have. The other thing, too, though, is that they get the Destiny IP, and we know Sony loves to turn Sony IPs into television and movies, and we're getting the Uncharted film here pretty soon. We have Twisted Metal show in the works, The Last of Us with HBO. Like, it's all over. And I think Destiny and Andrew can speak to this better than me because you know she's balls deep into the whole lore of it all but i feel like you know that is is just prime content for that kind of adaptation and so i think that's like right there like cha-ching cha-ching right and then going forward you know destiny is going to continue to be on these other platforms of course like that money is also going to end up in sony's pocket as well and yeah Yeah. if it's it's a good i think it's a great move actually Uh, you know we've talked about you know now they sony didn't have like a fps staple in their or whatever but now they do and not only that it's just uh it just makes it just makes sense i think for what they need in their portfolio so cool yeah definitely
0: and i hope it Absolutely. works for i hope it works for bungee too like i feel like they've i don't know their identity has been so strange because it's mixed with so many different people along the way so it'll be interesting to see uh how much i don't know autonomy that they get or how exactly it'll be interesting to see how they grow for sure because they've got a great team over there
1: But based off everything that I've heard from teams that work underneath PlayStation studios, people at Insomniac, people at Naughty Dog, et cetera, like they all have nothing but positive things to say about their working relationship with PlayStation as a boss. And clearly the games that are coming out of these studios are excellent, right? Like I feel like Sony hasn't really had, like, a swing and a miss in a while. You know, sure, some are better than others, but there aren't really any bad games coming out of PlayStation Studios, Mm -hmm. and I think that Bungie's only going to benefit from the influx of cash. I mean, look what Activision did for them with Destiny. Like, I don't think Bungie would have ever been able to launch Destiny without the bankroll of Activision, and it's an amazing universe that they built and I think it's really interesting that you brought up the idea of the metaverse and how PlayStation really didn't have something like that in their stable and now Destiny is absolutely um, a metaverse ready um That's what I think, game. right? Like, it'll and that'll be yeah. interesting
0: too just to see how like, I mean, like if you think about FPS in like the metaverse and people are doing that, like it's just such a crazy other thing but you know and like how that would translate for so many of these games but clearly that's got to be where the bet is right like if there's already this online audience that's used to being online that's used to digital goods that's used to like online currencies that's used to this world then you know I mean I think sure like I I think too that's probably why take two took Zanga, like Zanga was king on Facebook and you know this is just an extrapolation of that so I don't know I I think these are probably all metaverse plays but it it, it, and all we can hope for would be cool is if we just end up getting some really great games out of it it would be awesome if they could adapt that I mean yeah destiny is definitely you could do a lot with that Mm
1: -hmm. moving
0: into absolutely or other categories
1: Mm -hmm. and I do also want to mention that Jim Ryan did an interview with gamesindustry.biz and said expect more oh, yeah. in terms to come of PlayStation acquisitions. So, of course, the internet is aflame with theories about who is PlayStation going to buy next, and it seems Ooh. like the popular developer is Capcom, that they're like, why wouldn't PlayStation buy Capcom? I was like, I don't know. They've done a lot of deals with Xbox in the not-too-distant uh, yeah, past, and to me, the developer that would make more sense for them to buy would be Square Enix. That's,
2: like, I, that, yeah. I think, would be the biggest, like, Who's oh my Final god! Big yes. power move to get. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. When you think of Final Fantasy, you think of Dragon Quest. You think of all the other freaking games they've done, going back to the PS1, right? You think of those JRPGs on a PlayStation platform, and, and even though they are available on Xbox now, you just think of it. You, it's synonymous with PlayStation. Yeah. I was thinking about that. That would just be like humongous. The most the popular vote I've been seeing is obviously Konami, or like
1: obvious reasons uh no who cares like whatever metal gear fans like konami's done konami like cashed in their game developer chips all they want to do is like make slot machines in in japan they're like we don't care about making games anymore the gaming community is too toxic we're just gonna like put all of our money into gambling
0: that would be oh my god something safer than gaming
2: (laughs) something safer than word to that i mean capcom would be so interesting though because yeah, when you do think of resident evil you do think of the mm. little exclusives that playstation got especially when you think about village right they got the time demo for example and um other stuff like that so huh that would oh man I, I wonder how much more difficult it is to acquire a japanese studio i imagine there's a lot more hurdles that one has to clear to do that but um anyway i mean maybe, fascinating shit yeah. and like you said like there's a lot more Acquisitions. I almost said acquisitions. whatever I said from uh, the Activision.
0: You know, I wonder episode. if Nintendo would be in on the Square Enix thing, you know? Like, instead of just PlayStation on it. Like, it seems like Nintendo could do something there, being like the Kingdom Hearts stuff. Oh, I never man. got into that. I think it's so silly, but it's and way I, I, this is way different than my generation. So this is like never my demo. But I mean, why? I don't know if maybe Nintendo. I already they they've just got so much already going for them. I think like no, they don't we, necessarily need anything. No,
1: that's uh, not their mo, right? Like they've never been like in the acquisition game like that. I mean, they have obviously bought some studios in the past, but. I don't see them feeling the need to compete they have the number one selling console and they have had it for the last couple of years they are it. they're doing
0: just fine on their own they're not gonna they're go not sexy either it. you know with Final Fantasy which just what Final Fantasy, <laughs> Fantasy need that it, it needs to be sexy
2: mm, oh my god yeah, yeah sexy Mario and one of those like what are those banana hammocks let's go You oh, you imagine? No. <laughs>
1: Listen, that is an image I never <laughs> wanted in my head. Yahoo! All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with the money that Jim Ryan is apparently going to start throwing around oh soon. Oh, my God. Seriously. Listen,
2: I will be uh, acquired. I should revamp that game. Listen, you can acquire What's Good <laughs> Games for a cool million
1: dollars. That's a drop yeah. in the bucket. I mean, listen, I would I would take Sony money. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's talk, Jim. Have your people call our people. Official so great podcast.
2: We are our people. Please call us. I'm a supporter of that. Thank you. That'd be great.
1: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Uh, Well, speaking of throwing money around, there was an investor call for Electronic Arts. And on that call, CEO Andrew Wilson was pretty noncommittal about NFTs. So NFTs have obviously been all over the place in terms of news lately. And by all over the place, I mean a lot of people are backtracking about their involvement with NFTs. They'll announce an NFT project and then quickly retract um, their NFT project. Team 17 is the latest to say, hey, we we're going to do this NFT project with worms. JK, we're not doing it anymore. We're reconsidering. So on this investor call, CEO Andrew Wilson, according to Polygon, commented on NFTs and their place in gaming. Wilson said that he was ambivalent towards NFT. which I don't believe for a second... ambivalent my ass. You have thoughts, Andrew. And we would like to know what they are. Saying that electronic arts would continue to evaluate them over time but that the company was not focused on them as a priority. NFTs have been a controversial new element of some gaming economies and big publishers, ha- big publishers have started to implement the technology in their games and NFT, for those not in the know, a non-fungible token is a unique token on the Ethereum blockchain. <laughs> Stay with me, everybody. This token is meant to co- correspond to the supposed ownership of a digital item so far nfts have been implemented in games like ubisoft's coast recon breakpoint and a slew of others but that's probably the most notable one on the earnings call wilson talked about the idea of collectability in relationship to nfts quote the way i look at this is collectability is really built on four key metrics it's around high quality content it's around scarcity, it's around proof of authenticity, and it's around a group of people that find value in that content. And that last one, ladies and gentlemen, is really the kicker. So I brought this story up because we talked about (laughs) NFTs in the Metaverse and a Twitter space that I held last week, because the reason Brittany was doing the show with Brian and I wasn't there is because I was hosting for GamesBeat into the Metaverse too, And... I think that this is really fascinating, looking at where gaming companies are going and how a lot of them are kind of quietly just not talking about what they're doing. But let me tell you, they're not stopping their NFT plans, you guys. All right. (laughs) Just because the Internet's mad about them right now doesn't mean that it's going away.
2: No, I mean, like. I think we were talking about it's inevitable. Like it's it's going to become a thing. Now, I think where it can get real egregious is where it's like, OK, we're going to. And I think this is what everyone's fearful of, right, is NFTs being implemented into a video game in a very nefarious way. And because, I mean, NFTs can be incredibly expensive. I'm just honestly fascinated by them. And so I've taken a lot of time to learn about NFTs. And I think, yeah, where it can get real gross is where you're like, OK, cool, well, you want this skin. OK, put it on this website. And now it becomes like a a bidding war. People list it for just outlandish prices that no one can afford. And that's kind of like how an NFT is purchased, right? You either bid on something or someone puts out a price outright and then you can purchase it. And if you're locking content like that behind, if you're giving the in-game economy the ability to list whatever it is that they're listing for an outlandish price, then like there's a lot of issues there. And that's the whole appeal of NFTs is that it's decentralized, that you know there's not someone monitoring it and that's why there's so many scams right now and so many what people call rugs and it's a fascinating fascinating new territory and i think where it gets complicated is how do you implement that into video games and i know some people have these grand visions of it's going to be this thing where you buy a skin in one game and then it automatically translates into another game and then that's the cool skin that you can take with you everywhere you go and i mean i i can see that working in a in a in a world where the games are like built under the same developer publisher, I think of a Ubisoft game, like they've kind of like backed away from it. But like, it's gonna happen. You know, you buy a skin in Siege, and then maybe it comes to the division, and maybe it comes to an Assassin's Creed game, like whatever that is, because they have a dedicated team working on that. Where it can also get real complicated, though, is like, if you start touting this like idea of you buy a skin for your car in Forza, and now you can carry it with you to Mario Kart. It's like, Nah, dog. Like, that's that's incredibly complicated, and that's not how it works. And so I'm just so fascinated to see how this comes to games, because it's coming to games. Like, regardless, it's it just is. Like, this is an incredible money-making opportunity, like it or not, for people involved in the space. And so I just can't wait to see, like, how it stumbles, or how it's successful, or, like, how it all comes to play, you know?
1: Sit back, grab your yeah. popcorn,
2: friends. Yeah.
1: Mm. I- I love that you've been going down this rabbit hole because I have to, I mean, the event that I hosted last week, to be clear, was about the metaverse. And NFTs are just part of that conversation, but it wasn't specifically about NFTs. And like, I want to call out this story in particular and why I think... Andrew Wilson and EA are like, we're not committed to NFTs. I think it has a lot more to do with the potential trouble they could get into with regulatory government groups because it was not that long ago that they got into a whole bunch of trouble about microtransactions and gambling. That whole conversation is really still fresh in a lot of legislators' minds, even though gamers, I feel like, have maybe moved on, or some gamers have moved on, because it feels like you know, 2015 does feel some kind of like a lifetime ago. Um, but the whole reason why EA was able, and not EA is not the only publisher, by the way, um, <coughs> other companies who engaged in microtransactions as well were able to kind of skirt any kind of actual legal punishment around gambling and loot boxes and microtransactions was because they were able to prove or convince the people in charge that the digital goods that you were getting from microtransactions are limited to the game that you're using them in. So if I'm playing FIFA and I buy, you know, these foot packs, And I get these, like, special characters or these special skins to use in game. I can't then take those things outside of FIFA and sell them on an open marketplace and get, like, real-world money for them. They're only worth... Um, whatever worth I deem them as in-game because I can't remove them from the gameplay of experience of FIFA. Now you bring NFTs into the conversation and that completely like negates that whole argument uh-huh. that those microtransactions are not gambling because they are digital goods that are tied to that particular ecosystem. So it's like, of course, they have to come out and be like, oh, no, 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 NFTs are not a thing. We're not looking at that. But it's like, oh, you are. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Uh, <sighs> uh, yeah. What do you think, Michelle?
0: I have so many opinions on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, OK. Uh, mm. OK. <laughs> First of all, like, I don't know if it will succeed. I I, I don't know about that. I, I think that it's going to try um, I also think that we've seen this already with the Diablo three auction house we saw how that played out and that mm-hmm. wasn't, was not good. Um, no. like Diablo, Diablo is one of my favorite franchises of all time. And, um, that really, that ruins the game. Like that tanked the game. Um, that very specific thing of players. Mm-hmm. When you, Jason, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Jason from Bloomberg. That used to be at Kotaku. Schreier. Jason. Schreier. Schreier. Jason wrote a really great newsletter about NFTs and gaming, and um, it really resonated with me about my feelings with it. Um, but what he said, was and his newsletter is great, by the way. If you're not subbed to it, it's awesome. But what he said was, um, you know, this is horse armor. This is these are microtransactions. Um, and as somebody who's been really involved in the Activision universe for so long like they kind of already do this concept with nft you know with with a in-game item right like if you go to blizzcon and you get a blizzcon pack you're going to get a digital good in every single one of the franchises it'll be like you know tracer is going to show up in heroes of the storm or something right but but you can't like if say, say I were to buy a gun in CSGO, how am I going to take that to hearthstone? You know, like it, it like it doesn't make any sense to be able to travel through these different genres with these NFTs unless it's like so you buy this special skin of a gun. I guess you can only then use those in FPS and then you can only use those on frameworks that that are use the same development tools then right. you and then each one of those developers have to specifically um design that gun like if you're in world of warcraft and you get sword of a thousand truths and you're like i have this fucking sword of a thousand oh my gosh can you swear on your podcast oh yeah of course okay. you can so you're like oh my god i got this fucking sword of a hundred truths like a thousand truths it's like my sword and i'm gonna take it to CSGO. (laughs) You can't take it to CSGO. You can't. Yeah. You can't. it doesn't exist in that world. And so, so then you gotta ask, like, exactly how does that work? Like, are you talking then about just like skins? Okay, so then, like, a skin company would essentially have to like license out to a bunch of different games and then create that like in-game outfit that your character wears, but you don't even know if it a game that you play has a character that even wears an outfit. So how does that translate into that game? Or maybe you don't get it because you don't have a first person, you know, avatar in that game. Like I kind of see how it works for something like the metaverse where you have like, if this is going to happen, God fucking help us. But if you (laughs) are like, you know, you have it and you're like, I'm going to hang this awesome digital art. Look at my cool board ape. It's so awesome. And you hang it. You know, look how beautiful it would look right there instead of that. Like, it would be beautiful. Like, if this was your, like, room and you got to, like, decorate it and, like, make it dope, like, yeah, okay, I guess I can kind of see how, like, digital artwork could work if it were actually a system that could be trusted where artists aren't getting fucked over but right now they're getting like massively fucked over. There's just an article that came out 80% of NFTs coming out on OpenSea that use their free tool are fraud. And just today um, 80,000 Wait, th- did you say did you say, 80 I did say 80% percent of like eight zero eight zero 0% um wow it's a lot. Um, and then also, Brittany, what you were talking about with like how crazy, like expensive they get. Right. Like because mm-hmm. they do because you're like, how is this ape selling? for? Like someone like drew that in 10 seconds. Like what is happening? So what what's happening is because crypto is all this anonymous thing is somebody makes this scent of tea and they're like, I'm going to sell Like, say it's me. I'm like, I'm going to sell this this uh, this ape and I put it online. Well, then I can then go and buy it myself and be like, I'm going to pay 30,000 000- Dollars or whatever that is in crypto. I'm gonna pay, you know, (laughs) ten crypto, Bitcoin, ten f whatever you pay for this thing, and then, and then, and then I can be like, oh my god, look how much it sold for. That's unbelievable. And then nobody knows though that I, I'm the one who inflated the price. And so now it sells because like it's becoming this like art collector thing, but it's people inflating the price along the way themselves. It's a scam. It's a pyramid scam, and the people making the most money are really rich people. It's you know a lot of people will argue it's about like generational wealth and like um, I think it's an asset class. And if you have money and you want to play in it, like go for it. It's terrible for the environment. Um, And I think what Jason said in his uh, his newsletter that will really resonate with gamers is he's like you know the moment you take out the the meaning of a game which is like entertainment and to have fun and you make it about making money it's not it's a gambling game now you know and you see what even happened with uh valve which uh with uh with the whole like counter right and the washington yeah, the state gambling mm-hmm. commission came after them and was like no yep. you know um and they got in a bunch of trouble for that like i don't know i'm just I'll get off my soapbox but I'm just saying I think it's just a it I think you're right that it is gonna happen I just don't know exactly how it's gonna happen it's not gonna happen how people think it's gonna happen right now like a lot of people who like give me the NFT talk are people who are not gamers. Um, and it, it's a great idea. It would be lovely to have, you know, my celestial steed in every game that I ride in World of Warcraft. Or if Mark Zuckerberg can make, figure out how I can fly on that thing, we're good. Then I am then I will be able to justify spending $20 on that. I can't understand how people spend like $55,000 on one of these eight portraits when I feel bad about spending $20 on a, you know, New Year mount.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i'm glad that you got on your soapbox about it because this is why people are upset and heated about it right right like, you know there's a lot of concerns about them and you just you know touched on just a couple of them and it goes really deep and what was i thought was interesting about the chat that i had with dean takahashi and and jeff grubb mike manati and rachel kaiser from the game team along with Khalif, who was co-hosting the game event with me was you know Dean and Jeff kind of um, talked about the two different sides of NFTs and the metaverse and why it can be good and why it can be, more importantly, why it can be very, very bad, um, you know, because I think Dean kind of came at it from this idea of, hey, like, the whole idea of NFTs and creating a metaverse stemmed originally from this kind of like grassroots internet hacker culture of let's make a safe space for people away from big tech who does nothing but steal your data and then sell you like a commodity on the open market to the highest bidder and you're nothing but the value of your data to these people and you have no privacy and they you know are not to be trusted let's make a safe space in the metaverse and let's create this thing called blockchain where it's decentralized and you don't have to play by their rules anymore and it's going to be great until big tech was like, "Oh, is there money to be made uh-huh. here? Do you guys think do you guys think that you can make web3 without us?" And I think that's where, you know, Jeff's argument really came in and he was like, "Yeah, you know, like the idea of web3 was solid. Like but in practice, like you can't escape the Sauron gaze of Facebook. <laughs> hilarious. You know? totally I is. mean, <laughs> s- Facebook is spending like probably, I think, I think Dean said $10 billion oh, yeah. um, to to really launch their meta brand. I mean, they renamed the company meta, meta, meta and are hiring 10,000 people to launch, you know, this, this metaverse horizon or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think that's what what's really scary to people is that, you know, the idea of it is intriguing and in a perfect world would be great, but clearly the execution is really where people have their issues right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's just, interesting.
2: A, it's just a, yeah, a fascinating wild wild west because the NFT space in Meta is just so early. You know, it's so early right now, and you do read stories of artists putting their stuff on like OpenSea. And it's their own work. And they're like, I just made so much money off of this. And it builds this really healthy community of people who, like, are supporting this artist and can support them and get behind them. And now they're part of, like, this exclusive fan club, right? And I think, you know what, like if an artist wants to come out and be like, here's like 15 things I hand drew and like, this is a thing I did and you want to buy it and support it and your community loves it. Cool. Like you're making money off of your art, like more power to you. But it, it, it does get interesting because it is so early that you do see so many scams and, um Michelle you're talking about the price of Bored Apes and I think right now the base price of a Bored Ape is like
0: 200 and like $70,000 <sighs> lol lol everyone who fucking did that everyone who bought that you're so- oh god okay cool this is like Ed Hardy like
2: But what's it, but what's happening too like... is that people are getting super I mean you're going to laugh when I say this but they're getting scammed because they're selling for prices they're selling for maybe like thirty, fifty thousand dollars because there's so many exploits in the open sea system right now because it's still so early. So you see people selling their apes. Actually, they're being stolen (air quotes here) for like forty, fifty thousand dollars when they could <laughs> essentially turn around and sell them for like an additional two hundred thousand dollars. Wow. So it's still so so early. So it is going to be interesting when you do get, like, like you said, Andrea, like the big Facebooks and whoever else is going to be in here. Are they going to decentralize? You know, like, or what am I trying to say? It's decentralized, but are they going to centralize it? Right? Are they? How? What impact is it like, going to have? It the
0: entire purpose, though. You know, like, so what's going to happen? It defeats yeah. the purpose. Like, just even today, there was a company called Wormhole, and somebody hacked in and stole three hundred million dollars, guys. Yeah, uh, three hundred million crypto. Like, it, it's like a it's Ethereum. Yeah, Ethereum, it's Ethereum. Is, the, yeah. is the
2: main, yeah. And right now, I think one Ethereum is That's like $2,600. So $2, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's it's, it's wild money world. laundering
0: and stuff. It's hard because I want to be on board with this like idea of decentralization. But it's just so fraught with fraud. You know, that yeah. how do you really get around that? And I think gamers in particular, um, you know, have already dealt with microtransactions quite a bit and you know understand too when you see examples like like you know i said diablo 3 auction house you kind of go is can this work you know um and i think it just needs to be evolved and potentially it will make sense after that it's probably just needs evolution but you're right that's not going away Entirely.
1: Yeah, it just it, it needs time. You know, I, I like the example. And I, I do want to move on from this because we have lots of other stuff to talk about. But I just want to like, kind of um, bookend this conversation with like the thing that Dean said that really resonated with me about how resistant people were to mobile games and how terrible True. mobile gaming development was at the beginning, because it was not done by a lot of the, like, the established players in the space. And he, in his opinion, he kind of sees like NFTs and the metaverse there right now that It's really kind of icky and gross right now because we're right at the beginning of it. And so you're getting a lot of people who are taking advantage of the system Mm -hmm. and, you know, are bad actors. But that once the more established companies with good reputations get involved, that we could potentially see, like, the actual promise of what the NFTs and metaverse could do for good, realize. But who knows how long it's going to take to get that how many people are going to be kind of collateral damage along the way. So if you... If you guys want to listen to that whole talk, it's available on my Twitter page. I recorded it as a Twitter space. You just go to my timeline and you can can find the recording there. Um, But I do want to get to just a couple of quick news items before we move on to our next segment. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by MeUndies.
2: Is someone you love in a relationship with somebody who tells the same joke over and over? Or are they with somebody who has the audacity to starfish the bed? That's me. Now be honest. Is this somebody you? Relationships are not perfect. That's why MeUndies is celebrating our imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. We've talked about it so many times on this show. MeUndies is just the best. Andrea I busted out my unicorn onesie that I used to wear all the time at your house, the purple one. Yes. Do you remember when you used to see oh, me love in it. person and I used to like wear house kids I used to wear clothes in front of you but I've always worn clothes in front of you anyway I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure the image of me and my beautiful purple unicorn onesie stands out in your mind because I wore it all the time it was always my go-to whenever I crashed at Andrea and John's house and it was just like it was my go-to and I miss onesies and I miss slumber parties with you super duper comfortable I've had it for now like four years tip-top condition cannot recommend the onesies enough but anyway going back to underwear are you gifting underwear for Valentine's Day? Oh, groundbreaking. But gifting matching underwear for you and your significant other, now we're talking. Express your one-of-a-kind relationship when you match your bottom half to your better half in fun limited edition prints. If you're single, mingle in matching pairs with your friends or fam. You can even get dog hoodies or buddy bands to match your four-legged BFF. Oh my god. Be sure to check out all of MeUndies' super cute and super soft undies, socks, bralettes, loungewear, and more available in sizes extra small to 4XL. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For a limited time only, get 25% off of your first order of matching pairs for Valentine's Day. And as a first-time purchaser, you can also get 15% off the first, sorry, you can get 15% off and free shipping right to your door. To get 25% off of matching pairs, 15% off of your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's MeUndies.com slash WGG.
1: Now, all I can think about is how I want to see you and Reb in matching. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> yes, I, I can. I
2: know, me too.
1: <gasps> oh, amazing. So we just have a couple of quick... Little in case you missed it. So word on the street, according to Jason Schreier, speaking of the Bloomberg reporter, is that Suicide Squad, the video game, is delayed until 2023. So this has not officially been announced. But generally, if Schreier's got his nose on a story, it's probably going to come true. So that, honestly, I think is a good thing for them. 2022 is loaded with games. And you know what? Take your time. Rocksteady, just take your time. No reason to rush it out. Microsoft's Activision, uh, (laughs) or Actiquision, (laughs) that's the word, um, of Activision Blizzard will be reviewed by the FTC, no Noah. Obviously. Yeah. I'm still curious if that's going to happen.
2: I think it will. I think what a lot of consultants have said is that they're two different entities. One's like a producer of consoles, one's a publisher of video games. For some reason, they're not the same thing. So it should
1: go through, but you never know. Interesting. Any deal that's worth almost $70 billion oh. is going to have the government eyes on it to be like, eh, yeah, we should probably just take a look at this. We're due diligence. You know, just to make sure um speaking of money New York Times has bought puzzle game phenomenon wordle for a seven seven figure sum now I have mixed feelings on this one is you know what good on that guy who made something for his partner making some bank right like good good for you bro good for you and the other hand I'm like gosh darn it You took the good thing and you ruined it, New York Times. Well, what I'm
0: hoping, though, is he was so, like, passionate about leaving it free for everybody and having it be this, like, little thing that maybe that was part of why he sold it is that they came to him. Because he knows that people tried to already buy it from him. So maybe they were like, you know, what if we just do one a day and we leave it free to people? Maybe he's like, okay, for three years you have to do that. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully it's it's in the deal.
2: I did see him say that he's going to try to keep it like that and that he's also working to keep your streaks and whatnot. Yeah, yes. them, which is great I have yeah. never played Wordle but I have played Loodle Loodle oh, no, that's from
1: same. Gary oh, Litta uh, and his wife I'm, yeah. and I'm rather
2: good at it too surprising no one
1: <laughs> um, I, I've only played one Loodle I was going to mention it when we get to w- what we've been playing but the one Loodle that I played was Twats <laughs> and I was like mm, yeah this feels this fe- this feels right so I do want to mention in the New York Times story they said that it will quote initially remain free to new and existing players oh, well, so we all know that, that to me smacks of they're going to put it behind a word they wall. threw
0: in there <laughs>
1: uh, eventually but you know what that guy got paid good for him good for him
0: absolutely we stand
1: yeah we stand. exactly um and lastly Britt, you added this one i did
2: i thought this was kind of fun it takes two is getting a tv and film adaptation so this comes from ign the writer the writers of 2020 sonic the hedgehog movie adaptation pat casey and josh miller are attached to write the it takes two adaptation for television right now there is no studio or network on board with the project but reports say that that's
1: because of a multi-party bidding war for the rights Hey. Hey. Good for you. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, hey. I liked Sonic. I thought it was really well done. I mean, obviously a little hokey, but I think for video game movies, it was That's pretty good. Odd.
2: I think this is really cool. I'm always cool. a fan of them.
1: You know, like I'd rather have video game movies than not have them. And that was same, fun.
2: Same. Same. I'm with yeah. you. I think it's the, the key here, friends, is expectations. You know what? Did I go into Resident yeah. Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, think I'm going to get the next blockbuster Resident mm. Evil iteration? Mm. Absolutely fucking not. But no. let me tell you, I brought like five minis with me into that theater. I finished every single one and I had a damn yes. good time. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was so fun. Good
1: for you. Hey, amazing. <laughs> Mama needs a break to enjoy some minis in a dark room, oh, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Just like watching watching some people getting eaten by zombies, you know, getting a little tipsy. Absolutely. <laughs> Living the life. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're going to move into our next segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back everybody It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast And it is brought to you by Fixture Gaming Is Pokemon Legends of Acreus consuming every waking moment of your life? Well, you can catch all those pocket monsters with ease with the perfect Nintendo Switch accessory, the Fixture S1. The Fixture S1 was created by gamers for gamers who love their Nintendo Switch and their Pro Controller, but want to be able to play on the go. This original patented design connects the Nintendo Switch to the Pro Controller for comfortable, precise, portable play, offering a great alternative to the Joy-Cons. Fixture S1's patented two-axis design provides stability and balance in any playing position for optimal comfort and gaming performance. Snap your Pro Controller into the Fixture S1 for handheld play or use it as a stand in tabletop mode. In either mode, you can charge the Switch and its Pro Controller at the same time using the Fixture S1's thoughtful design that routes the power cords out the back so they never interfere with play. Now, here at What's Good Games, we've partnered with the team at Fixture Gaming to give away a custom What's Good Games Fixture S1 that you guys can win by going to our Twitter page at Good underscore games and replying to our Fixture Gaming tweet. It's a really cool design, and if you've had your eye on the fixtures since we've started talking about it on the show now is your time to get one for free by entering to win our fixture gaming giveaway all the details will be on the tweet so be sure to go to what's good underscore games and if you want to check out getting a fixture S one for yourself you can learn more by heading to fixturegaming.com where you can get five dollars off your purchase with code WGG at checkout or visit fixture gaming's Amazon page by clicking our link in the show notes that's fixture fixturegaming.com where code WGG gets you $5 off of your purchase or use our link in the show notes to visit their page on Amazon. Brittany and Michelle. Wow, what a uh, show it's been so far. You know, we've been having shows a little bit on the shorter side because Brittany and I haven't been playing as many games, but now we are getting into like thick
2: oh, girl. release
1: season for Q1. And this week is no exception. So, do you guys just want to start with Pokemon before we get into the new sure. stuff, or you want to wait and, and talk Pokemon uh, later? Yeah, what do you
0: want Brittany. I get. I, it's up to you.
2: No, baby girl, I, I am gonna try. Okay, here's the thing. I'm wearing a Pokemon shirt. Andrea, <laughs> can you please pants you my, full, my full? Yeah, hand. I got okay. you. Mm-hmm. I got my Pokemon shirt. I got my Magikarp art here. You can't see. You can kind of see it over there. I got my Pokemon shrine. My name is Brittany Braunbacher, and I love Pokemon. But so far, I do not love Pokemon Arceus.
1: Now, (gasps) now,
2: Michelle, I think you enjoy this game. So I'm really excited to hear your thoughts because I will. No, 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 here's here's the thing. I I will fully admit I am a jaded ass fan. I have. I have never (laughs) been so angry while playing a game. I literally had to like get I was walking and playing Pokemon Arceus Arceus whatever the fuck you want to call it I had to get off of my treadmill and stop and take a shot of whiskey and I'm not lying to you the reason is is I am playing some video games right now that is very successful but they are nowhere near as successful as Pokemon do they generate billions of dollars every year no does Pokemon yes there's absolutely no excuse Why this game looks like it's something out of the 90s. Why the animations are still crap. While as you're walking, the textures are just like popping in. I know I'm angry right now. And I told myself I wouldn't get too angry. I think Pokemon is, as a franchise, I love it. I think it's so fun. It has that core gameplay that hooks me. But it's so hard to be playing certain games. And then you go into Pokemon Arceus and you're like, why why is this game that has like literally like endless funding potential why does it look like it's something straight out of like the early 2000s and sorry why does it play like something like almost out of the early 2000s as fun as I'm sure it's going to get because I'm admittedly still like four hours in still c- just kind of getting out of the tutorial why like I, there's literally like no excuse for it, and as fun as it is, I'm just so disappointed right now because it's. Uh, and here's it, oh, I've been I've been where you and are. I know I know how you feel. Here's heal. the scoop: is I know I'm gonna have a lot of fun with this game. I know I'm absolutely gonna have a blast with it, and I know it could very well, if I can set my own shit aside, it could become like one of my favorite Pokemon games because of the the new innovations they're making. But just from a technical perspective, it is infuriating. It is literally infuriating that there has not been more resources pumped into this, that they're not taking the time to turn this into the, the Pokemon game. It could literally be. I am a jaded fan right now. So that's just my initial thoughts. I'm being very self-aware and knowing that I haven't really gotten to the meat and potatoes yet. Oh my God. You're but just amazing. what I'm seeing. I know it's anyway. Okay, Andrea. Okay. I'm gonna pass it first to Michelle. of
0: all, I think it's, I love you. That is so funny. I am like, so just, this is amazing. Okay. First of all, I, the first, the first vibe I got playing it was Breath of the Wild, which was a game that end, endlessly bored me and put to me to sleep all the time. <laughs> And I hate it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And, like, people love Breath (laughs) of the Wild, though. Like, I get in fights with people about it. They're mad. They're mad at me. But um, so this has the same feeling. And I've started to play it. And here's the things. Like, uh, I didn't, um, you know, the first Pokemon came out when I graduated from high school. So I didn't, there wasn't, I didn't play that right away. Um, I, I didn't play Pokemon until a little older so mm-hmm. probably for you you know you have this nostalgia for Pokemon but to me it's the same game every single time and I am it is always, like collecting the same like 20 pokemon before i get super bored and then i give up and i never finish killing team rocket or whoever it is this time and um (laughs) but i have fun i play it because it's mindless and i can go to sleep with it and it's fine um but interestingly i got this game and what i like immediately is like i can run around and i can like feel like i'm in a pet battle and i i like that part a lot um i feel i like that the fights are dynamic um that's cool to me. I'd I like that I can move my camera around and see everything. I like that. But um, saying that, I have fallen asleep to it like every single night, like just like Breath of the Wild. So it might be just extremely boring, and you're totally right. But I do appreciate that it's a little less boring, at least for me, because I have no nostalgic attachment to the original. That for me, I'm like... Ah, I appreciate the different view I'm still gonna sleep <laughs> but. Well, that's
2: totally totally fair like you're right like the formula more or less has remained the same throughout the entire yeah. like existence of Pokemon but
0: what's you do, cool do you like, appreciate that at all like do you look at that and you're like oh well that's cool I can do play this differently or are you just like you so right. did and, it wrong that, and that's
2: and that's why I'm, you know, I'm trying to remain again self-aware and say like you know what at least game Freak. Game Game Freak is doing new stuff. They are making the battles feel a little bit more real time. Like you said, you can run around now and you do have like this much more open world. That's much more open than the wild areas that were in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. And, I think the writing in this game so far has been the best that I've seen. I've always thought that all NPCs in Pokemon sound the exact same. And I know I'm a fan fangirl, but, like, the writing in that game, the localization team, is just fucking top-notch. And they add so many characters to their NPCs. And then you go to a game like Pokemon, and it sounds like everyone is the same person just in a different body. But in this one, like, I feel like that's improved quite a bit. Um, you know, I do appreciate the steps that have been made. It's just, like, that bittersweet, like... It's that bittersweet. Like I see what you're trying to do, and this is what Brian said on last week. He said, "You know, it's a good step forward." And my counter to that is like, "But is it a big enough step forward?" And why? Just why is the question? Why period? <laughs> like why is there not being more done? Like why aren't why? you? Why are you not like cooperating with Monolith? Like wh- why? And Brian said when he interviewed Game Freak that they said they like to remain be a small team. Cool, but like you, you don't. Need, why? Why exactly? Goes, why? 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 Well, because why they make so much fucking money. It's like they don't. It's a step.
0: But is it? Is yeah. it? Should they don't they have go to back? Sh- Then
1: they. <laughs> but do you think it's because they don't want to share in that success with other people? Mm. Like that's such a weird idea to kind of comprehend or grapple with. This, you have one of the most successful oh. video game franchises of all time that has. A loyal fan base of hundreds of millions of people around the world and has been for decades but you don't have any kind of fire to innovate and do something better or do something different and innovate like I honestly cannot grapple with that as like a real world thing
2: yeah I mean that's and then I'm like, okay, well at the core of everything, Pokemon is a company and companies exist to make money. Why would we spend five hundred cajillion dollars on developing this when we could only spend three hundred cajillion dollars and people will But they
1: could be they could you know catapulted to the next stratosphere of making money and
2: attract like sure, new right? like players can. and get like more excitement for it absolutely
1: but you know or get people who've left this franchise behind right like they could be why re- can't I take my
0: get more Pokemon Brittany why can you tell me the, why can't I take my Pokemon from <laughs> game to game why do I have to take, like get the same Badu every time why can't I take Badu <laughs> and move Badu to each game and have him and don't let him evolve and just let him be my friend and then have Rosalía or whatever as my <laughs> You know, like, can I just do that? Like, why do I have to catch the same guys every time? Like, you know, I, the And also, Pokemon, like, why don't some evolve? And, like, I don't why don't know. they all evolve? And why don't they continue making evolutions? <laughs> like, well,
2: there is the Pokemon Bank. Don't they I, like money? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> have you used Pokemon Bank? I See, I haven't dabbled in that myself, so I can't really speak to it. But I know that has been a way for you to just traditionally, like, take your Pokemon with you. Whether or not you can actually incorporate them to your game, I don't know. I don't I don't know. But
0: and what's the point? It's an uh, NFT then. <laughs> Pokemon <laughs> NFTs. Oh my
1: god. If anybody was right for NFTs, it's fucking <laughs> Pokemon.
2: <laughs> Dude, I have thought about that. I was like, holy crap. Um, Admit my Pikachu. Yeah, so so I I I've heard a lot. It's sitting out like an eighty five, eighty six on Metacritic, which is like, you know what? It's that's it's good. Great. Yeah, it's-, it's good. It's great, but it's not like ninety five. And I'm like, you see that game freak. You see that you, you're failing. It's like you're not failing. <laughs> Take that minus -10%. Take that those negative 10 points. No, they're not failing. And like I've read a lot of reviews and the general consensus is a lot of folks are saying like, "Hey, this is my favorite Pokemon game. I appreciate the innovations, but technically, blah, or the repetitiveness is kind of blah." You know, so far I'm still dabbling in the Pokédex and it's a lot of like catch 10 Starlies to fulfill this Pokédex and I'm like, "Okay, Cool. I don't know how that's going to feel over like thirty hours of gameplay. I feel like that would. I mean, get that repetitive. is like any
0: like MMO or like you know, it's like kill ten wars or whatever, yeah, you know? it's like yeah. questing quest. I appreciate the questing, um and I like the crafting. I think crafting is cool. I mean, they're mm-hmm. totally making it. You know,
2: right. This and that's what I'm saying. They're doing it's some even a better things. crafting than
0: Breath of the Wild, which was horrifying.
2: <laughs> oh my god,
0: I love it! This is, I,
2: I love different personalities sorry. and different. No, don't be sorry. That's your opinion. Like, stop it. Like, people don't get mad at you over a video game opinion. Then go kick rocks.
0: The puzzles um, were good. The
2: puzzles. So that, that that's the thing is like, in some ways, I thought Sword and Shield did things better. I
0: agree with you. I and, like Sword and Shield.
2: Right, and then you get some of these innovations with Pokemon Arceus. Arceus, what the fuck. And I feel like if you can marry the two, <laughs> put it on the PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X, get a team of like, you know, a few more hundred people, then maybe we're talking. But we'll see. So again, I know I've been like angry, but I've been bottling this up for like four days now. So... Um, get out, girl. Let it I'm out, so girl. Let it out. I'm I almost rage so texted Andrea, but I didn't. This is this is <laughs>
0: delightful. You can rage text me literally anytime. I love day. when you people get this. mad about their favorite franchise. It's one of my favorite things in the world. It's I'm so we glad we you love like it. this.
1: That's because we love it so much
2: and we just see the potential, you yeah. know, And anyway. Um, so anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it's like that. my destiny
1: rants. It's the same thing. <laughs> oh, but I've
2: never been so angry. I literally I, I could only play for 45 minutes at a time before I get angry and I rage quit and I storm <laughs> out and Jason's like, are you rage quitting? And I'm like, yep, sure am. I'll be back tomorrow for another round.
0: First of Aww. all, how cute of a mom are you? <laughs> Your kid's so lucky. Like, both of you guys. Like, they're going to be like, my, my mom's a gamer. That's so cool. <laughs> I mean, Jace's nursery is Pokemon oh, that! No, thank you. That's oh, another.
2: I love this fucking series so much. It means so much to me. But God damn.
0: I love that. You're so cute. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> anyway, I'm going to angrily yeah. sip my water now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, angrily sip your water because I can talk about being mad about another game that just came out. Um, well, I guess technically it hasn't come out by the time we're recording this show, but the embargo is up for Dying Light 2. So this is a game from Techland, the people who made their claim to fame with Dead Island and then, you know, decided to cut ties with that IP and started Dying Light. And the first Dying Light, I think by the time they patched it and added more content, became like a pretty decent game. And there's a lot of fans who really loved that game. And I think a lot of what Techland was creating with the open world parkour system and the day-night cycle of the action combat that is the zombie thriller Dying Light, you know, it should be lauded. And we looked at dine lights back when we did oh my gosh E3 2019 the last E is that the last E3, oh, E3 I of all mean, time? That's crazy. Maybe. Yeah. We We don't know. We don't know. It might be the last one. Um I had said that I was very impressed by what I saw but that I thought that it was very ambitious and we were going to have to wait and see how TechLine was going to let it all play out. And now they've been putting out a lot of these like dying light like um, broadcasts on their YouTube channel, kind of deep diving into systems and things like that. And so I was really interested to see, like, how it was all going to play out. And, you know, we're going to obviously hear from Brittany, who's played a lot more than I have. Um, I just kind of got stuck because when I booted this game up, I I literally just kind of stared at the menus for a second when I booted it up, and I was like, it doesn't really look like this, does it? Like, it doesn't... It looks... this." This looks really old. It looks bad. I don't. The graphics look bad. The fonts look bad. I was like, "What's what's wrong?" And I honestly was like, I had to like double take, and I was like, "Is this is this really the menu system?" Checked accessibility settings. There's like virtually none, um, by the way, uh, which I was really disappointed at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to look for different ways to tweak the game. There's really like there wasn't a, a whole lot, and. I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to try to fight through this like instant like, whoa, what's happening with the way this game looks? Because when you boot up a game in the year 2022 on an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, not to mention if you're booting it up on your PC, you kind of expect it to look a certain way if it's a AAA open world game. And so I was really taken aback. And so I started the game, the, the first the first like quest like the opening like tutorial quest was about like going to like smack some beehives and get some honey and chamomile and i'm like what's happening what is this game what's going on yeah i was was really like i was really put off i'm not gonna chamomile not even gonna (laughs) words. i think it was more about like the game the on the onboarding systems for the game just felt a little lacking And I was just, like, really kind of confused about, like, why Techland coming straight... I mean, because this is, like, a direct sequel to what happens in Dying Light, right? The Brittany, do you know exactly, like, how much time has passed? It's, like, six months or something? I think it's six months, yeah.
2: It's six months after the events of Dying Light, and there's a canon ending to that game, and, like, fuck it, like, whatever shit I think is destroyed in that game. I'm pretty sure that's what happened, and so this takes six months, and... I, yeah, like, I 100% agree with Andrea here. Dying Light 2's opening is probably one of the weakest openings I've ever seen in a game. Like, and I'm not, Uh-oh. I know I just got real bad at Pokemon, so this isn't me just, like, this isn't me, <laughs> like, carrying my emotion over, like, you know, um... <gasps> Jason also got a review code because he and I were going to play co-op together, but co-op wasn't available, sadly. So I've talked with him about his thoughts of this game as well. Um, I played maybe four or five hours, disclaimer. So, yeah, like, the opening of Dying Light, too, was just not good. It's it's really sad because I can think of a million different ways to open that game that would be such more, so much more gripping and immersive and, like, holy shit, like, set the tone for what this game is going to be. Mm. And uh, it's really weird it's a weird opening yeah, yeah. it doesn't do the series the does, does it
0: change the story or like does it kind of move I didn't play the game so I don't really know but like does it have like does it just go off the rails of story like of what you would have expected or is it just does it change subjects like
1: no it just it does nothing yeah. it's, it's I, I think the reason why we, we're both kind of like what's happening here is that it feels like it's weirdly hand-holdy in a way that I don't understand, but also, like, they expect you to know a lot. You would think if they're going to set up a game as big as Dying Light 2 is, and this game is massive, by the way. Like, it's going to take hundreds of hours um, to complete this game if you do, like, all of all of the open-world content. It's 500 really hours games, really ambitious. is the number they touted. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, is you would think that they would do have like a really impactful narrative mm-hmm. opening that really kind of sets the stage for things to come. And instead you're just like Aiden and you're like, kind of like dropped into this wilderness area and they're like, okay, now like run around and go collect these beehives. And I'm like, wait, what? What's,
0: what's like This is an intro here? to it after everything that happened. <sighs>
1: mm. Yeah. It just, it felt like a really big question mark of like narratively, like why did they make this choice? Um, There's a lot of interesting things that they're doing that I think have potential, but I feel like this game isn't suffering from, to be clear, this isn't as bad, I think, as Cyberpunk's launch. Like when Cyberpunk launched, they had like a bazillion problems. I think this game is 100% suffering from some technical problems and bugs and glitches that they have said is going to be resolved they quoted yes. a thousand bugs <laughs> Whoa. Um, that are going to be resolved in their day one yeah. patch. So let me just make sure I mention that. Um, we are playing it uh, without the day one patch. Um, and there's still, I think some gameplay design problems that I think cyberpunk also suffered from that are like systems that have a lot of potential, but it's almost like somebody needed to come in with an editing brush and be like, let's just erase this, feature off let's erase this feature let's we don't need all of this stuff it's like they threw every game mechanic from successful open world games and the kitchen sink at dying light too we're like what if we just like mishmash all these gameplay systems into this giant open world and tried to make them all work together and, and i'm kind of like but why yeah, <laughs> yeah so, interesting
2: yeah okay so i've played like i said four or five hours and dying light is one of my honestly like all-time favorite games to play co-op with someone it's just you get it's so rare that you get those vast open world games with all the crafting and the interesting story and like that you don't really get it that often and if that works really well um and you know just for full transparency i kind of i didn't rush because you can't really rush four to five hours but i kind of beeline through all the main narrative because i know that co-op opens up after a specific point in the game and so jason and i were trying to get to that point right and we did. And then like the co-op didn't pop up. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, I feel like co-op should start like right about now. And then I got in touch with um, our PR contacts and they said, oh, yeah, that's not coming until later, closer to the actual launch of the game. So at that point, you know, I was understandably like a little frustrated. And I was like, all right, like, yeah. I'll yeah, I'll just wait. We'll wait. We'll play it closer to launch together. So I haven't picked it up since. And that was maybe a week or so ago. But when I think of Dying Light and what makes that game so much fun, it's obviously like the parkour is fun, the traversal, you know, you're sticking to the rooftops because if you go down in the streets, you're going to get overwhelmed by infected, you know, especially in the nighttime because there is that day night cycle. And Andrea, I'm not trying to take over this conversation. So just like feel free to jump in whenever. But, um, you know, there's all the scavenging uh, in the buildings, right, to, to get crafting materials because the crafting in this game, you get some of the most badass weapons, you get swords that electrify enemies, you get swords that just, yeah, like yeah. the combat is visceral and it, it's just, it's a really fun fun game, but I didn't get the full breadth of that during my time with it because I was just trying to like get through the, the missions and I felt like the NPCs that you meet are pretty interesting like I thought they were well written and kind of fun and definitely way more interesting than the main character whose name is Aiden and he is probably the most generic boring ass person like he's like a paper bag yes right?
1: that sucks he's, he, su- he sucks, sucks. no and I agree say with you like he um, does yeah, and I, I'm glad that you brought up because like that's one of the things that Techland does really well is this crunchy melee combat because there's no guns in this world, mm-hmm. right? Like they've made like a narrative reason for there not to be guns, and it's like all melee all the time. And I think it's why people really loved the original Dead Island is because like they did that that combat, that melee combat with the zombies really well. And they do have a really deep <clears throat> you know crafting system, and you can make really cool weapons. And I think that there's something to be said for that. Um, But I think, you know, what's really tough about that is I think they kind of buried a lot of the best of this game a little too deep into this game because it's too 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 big. And that's why. Yeah. yeah. Right. and So I go back to being like, is this too ambitious for a sequel for a game that did well, but wasn't exactly a game that sold 25 million copies? Right. So it's like, you know. You know, maybe it needed the 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 game director Or the creative the creative director to come in and say Like, you know, how are we going to shape The gameplay experience for players In Dying Light 2 Particularly for people who never played The original Dying Light How are we going to handhold them So that they can still have a really great time To get to the really fun part of the game Which is the parkour system, right? I've seen, like, plenty of people making jokes About parkour Yeah <laughs> In, in in the era that we're in we're like are we still talking about parkour like it's a legitimate thing um, and I can't I can't not hear I can't not hear the office the, the people from the, the sitcom the office being like parkour <laughs> totally. um, like it's just so stupid and amazing um, but like that to me is still why this game shines not to mention like the, na- the day night cycle is absolutely worth commending them for but like, the parkour system is buried underneath almost 20 hours wow. of RPG progression. Wow. And you can't even get, like, when you start the game, like, who starts a game about parkour movement in an open world without a fucking slide? And they lock it behind an RPG progression. I'm like, why? There's Everybody has cars. slide in their video yeah. game now. Like, don't don't block mm-hmm. it behind a skill tree. What? Um, yeah. And so I, I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of potential with this game to be really amazing, but I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with some of the choices that they made with how the game unfolds. And that's kind of a bummer because this clearly is an amazing amount of work that the team put in. And I think that there's a gem of a game buried underneath some bad editorial decisions.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the first in Light, I think last I checked, it sold around 16, 17 million copies. Like, this is a beloved franchise. But you look mm-hmm. at the history, and, and again, like the rumors we've seen with the development of this game, it, it went through some hurdles and some bumps. And so the fact that it yes. didn't live up to these... Glorious E3 presentations that we saw, like, it's not surprising. And, you know, another good lesson to us is like, yo, like, just because something looks so fucking good in like a 30, 40 minute presentation, Cyberpunk. Andrea
0: called it the We would have though. learned after Watchdog. Andrea was, like, watchdogs. Andrea was <laughs> like, this is too ambitious, guys. She knew right away. <laughs> she knew. You look at like Die Light 2,
2: you look at Cyberpunk, like, we were all like, woohoo. It's just another, like, little lesson learned. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Andrea. I think. I think I'm going to enjoy this game more than she is going to, probably because I'm going to be playing it co-op. And I think for me, like that makes it so much more enjoyable. I'm excited to like take my time and look into every room that I can find and craft all the things and like really dig into those systems. What are you playing it on? I'm playing on Xbox Series X.
0: So when you guys play uh, does your does your husband have his own as well? Yeah. His own yeah. Xbox and you guys play. Okay. okay. Yep, yep, so it's not we like have a couch co-op something like that.
2: No. Yeah, we have side by side uh TV. No split yeah. screen, yeah. Uh so yeah, like And once I did kind of get past the tutorial phase that Andrew was talking about and I was running around the rooftops and talking to the NPCs and kind of like getting integrated, I was like, okay, like I can see a lot of potential this, but I really want to play with Jason. So I'm going to come back to this later. I just never got to come back to it because Co-op wasn't available. So I'm sure he and I will play a lot of it this weekend and then I'll talk about it next week. But we'll see.
1: Brittany, before we kind of wrap this up and just to be clear, everybody, I'm not saying this game isn't going to be a really fun game. I, I have a feeling that this game is going to be very similar to Days Gone in the sense that the early critical reception was very mixed with a lot of people being like, this game feels like it's a little like... There's some bad decisions, it's unfinished, some of the gameplay systems are kind of half-baked, but then once it got out into the wild, players were like, this game's fucking amazing, I love it, I'm having a great time. I feel like Dying Light's going to have no problem being successful, because at its core, it's a fun melee zombie game with really cool traversal system. That said, mm-hmm. Brittany, am I... I feel like I'm a little delusional when I look at this game and think that it looks like straight from... Like Xbox 360, oh. which is why I mentioned that Eurogamer review on Twitter when they were like, "This looks like an Xbox 360 game." I was like, "Thank God it's not." No, just no, me. no.
2: There's something definitely a little off about it. There are moments when I'm looking at an NPC and I'm like, "You look really good," or if I'm like looking and the sun is hitting a building just right, I'm like, "This looks really good." But there's this weird effect, and I don't know what it is. It's like I'm look. It's in the beginning of the game, and you're kind of looking at this fallish setting around you like the trees all kind of turn color it's all kind of like orangey and reds and like some little greens in there it looks like one big blob it's it's weird like i'm staring at it and i'm like at a glance i can't tell really
1: it's textures there's like Mm. there's no textures on the grass the lighting is all wrong the The, the shading yeah like I, i honestly like was i booted it up and like i was like in a world where games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla exist, Horizon Zero Dawn mm. exists. Um, game big open world games that have amazing art. Games like I mean Ghost of Tsushima like is a, a beautiful game that came out on PS4, right? Like last generation. And this game's in 2022 and I booted it up and I was like, how does this game look like mm. this? And to me, it almost smacks of they use decided to use engine resources right because like Techland's whole thing was like they rebuilt their engine and did a new engine for this game and they wanted to really push the boundaries again, maybe over ambitiously of what they were doing in this game. And I think they're using just my my personal theory is they're using too many engine resources to run gameplay uh. systems and not enough to run artwork. And so I'm like, well, maybe that's maybe that's it. I don't, yeah, I don't it's, it's know. It's hard to say. Yeah, just, you're, you're right. It's disappointing though, because like even next to games that are four or five years old or, or older or older.
0: like if, I mean, they've got to know. They got to look at that and be like, I mean, maybe they had just had a deadline and I don't know, but that seems like a.
1: I mean, I
2: don't want to be too like. Critical of I mean how I mean I see what Andrea is saying. Like it's not like, well, why do they put this out? I think the game is still gonna be a lot of fun. I just think you know, when you look at a studio's yeah. strengths and weaknesses, I don't know if this studio's particular strength comes into the resolutions. And and there is a high res mode that probably would look a lot better. I was playing on performance. But yeah, like it, it just the, the the environment just wasn't like distinct enough. Like it was it, you kind of had to like look around, and be like, what am I looking at here? Okay, that's grass, okay, like that's a river, okay, that's like a little like riverbank, and that's like a, a tree over there or whatever. Ever. Um, yeah, I agree. I think there's it's just like one of those mixed things where I think it's going to do a lot of things really well, but there's just those studio weaknesses, and I think that's just kind of like what you get, especially if you look at the troubled history of this game. And um, we'll we'll just see. I mean, I know the core audience is probably still going to love it, but it's just they love it. I oh, 100%. they love it for yeah. Not the story. They love it for not the main character. Not even necessarily the graphics, but it's the crafting, it's the parkouring, it's the day-night cycle, it's those, like, really tense moments, and I think they're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it just didn't live up to all of the hype that I think we had all kind of been hoping for it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. bad, But we'll see. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think this game will be great in, like, six months after they've oh, patched patched it. it. Little bug fixes, let's go. Just maybe, maybe don't buy it at lunch. Maybe buy it
2: Mm -hmm. later. I think that's actually great advice. Really, it really is. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) know what you're
1: getting. All Xbox needs to do is come in and swoop it up for game, swoop it up for Game Pass. Give them some money, and we'll all be good. That's a good point. It'd be great. It'd be great. Um, Okay, Michelle. Before um, Brittany and I talk about. Our preview of Ghostwire Tokyo, Ooh, which we're very exciting. excited to talk about. Um, I want to know from you if there's another game that you've been playing that you'd like to chat about. I know you've been playing some things that are not like quote
0: new, yeah. but um, yeah. Well, no, I started to play Final Fantasy XIV, which for me is a big deal because uh, I'm I'm I've always been a pretty big Wow girl, so. Uh, I, I got really frustrated with the story. So as you guys, you know, (laughs) know with your, your games, like with Dying Light, like I'm very frustrated with the way they handled, uh, Sylvanas Windrunner for a lot of reasons. And, um... I just, uh, you know, my team, we did, we did a great job and we went through all the rating content and now we're just sort of, it's kind of in a lull anyway. Um, and I decided to try out final fantasy 14, which is, um, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's a beautiful game. And I look at wow now and I'm like, huh, why don't you look prettier? Um, but, (laughs) but you know, i I have all my NFTs in that game and all of them. Oh, nap my... it's so funny it's like how much money have i spent on that game in 14 years of playing it it's like so many in-game items i'm so embarrassed um but you know i i'm having a lot of fun with this i like that there's so many different classes that you can play um and many like they call it, you know jobs i guess um i like that you can have one character and that one character can be all the classes instead of in like world of warcraft where like I have an attachment to my main character, and I always only level her and raid with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to try out other classes. It would be cool if that main character of mine could just do other classes, and um, which is what they have in Final Fantasy Fourteen. So you can, like have your one character and be like I want to be a tank now or never mind I want to be a healer and you don't have to just be a paladin for that like you can do other things so I am I'm excited I I will say that I haven't been able to get on the server that I want so I'm only level 10 on like I just wanted to kind of get in there and start playing a friend of mine bought me um the game as like a gift and like 30 Uh days of game time so I just Um, I just started to kind of like dip my toes in and um, I'm hoping that the server opens up. But um, I guess like there's a bunch of streamers on this server, Genova or something, and um, it's really hard to get in because of that. So I want to play with my friends on that server, but because there's a chip shortage, um, Square Enix can't like create more servers or make it so that other uh, servers can like cross faction as easily. So there's, I think that game is being really held up held, its it, success is really being held up because I think a lot of people really want to play. Like, if I can take my own experience and I'm a reluctant player, you think about, like, people who are actually, like, really, you know, can't wait to play Final Like, Final Fantasy was not, like, something I, I that was ever really in my realm. So, like, for people who follow Final Fantasy forever and ever and ever, like, they want to play this. You can play, but you might not be able to play with your friends. So, but they're suffering from the chip shortage thing, so I kind of hope that they get it figured out because... It's a lot of fun so far. I'm really impressed with the combat. I'm really impressed with the multiplayer. Even um, it's awesome. I, I'm yeah. I don't know if you guys played it, but f- I, I
1: I find no. It fascinating I I haven't. That's awesome. Well, a friend of mine is playing. Who's been doing some of these Twitter Spaces with me, as I mentioned. Her name is uh, Lauren Wilson, and she was talking about how bad the loading times on the wait times are. Wait to like times, boot yeah. up. Final Fantasy and then she'll like just like be in a queue for like an hour and she'll go play something else like waiting to get in to like do her dailies. I'm like wait how is this still a thing? Because of the chip
0: shortage. It's bonkers. Yeah they can't do anything which is crazy if you think about it like that game is like I bet you that game would have just blown just the roof off of it like with subscribers and new people coming in like especially after everything happened with Activision everyone was jumping ship I just have a feeling yeah. that um, they would have been even more successful. Have this chip-shing. Chip-shit, chip not have it. Chip-shit. <laughs> chip-shit. Yeah. Ugh. But I'm having fun, that's though. stupid chip-shit. I, I want to get in there more Good. and have a really cute dragon girl. Right now I made a sexy bunny, so that's exciting. Yes. super hot bunny.
1: Okay. Go on. Sexy right. bunny. Are we
0: talking like playboy bunny? She's sexy like, bunny? Okay, first of all, her outfit, when you start, is like she came right out of the mansion. She's like... <laughs> Like cutouts and (laughs) lace and ears, and she is sexy. Like, I'm talking a thong, guys, like right up her back. And I was like, she's starting like this. And like, she gets into a buggy, and there's like a Moogle guy there, and he's just like this furry guy with a balloon talking to her, and it was awesome. It's like, I like this game already. But that's her starting outfit. I was like, this is her starting outfit? Like where is this going? Because like she's oh, walking yeah. through this town looking like a real hoe. But like I'm I mean I stand like good for her. Good You're gonna for get her.
2: A metallic thong next, Michelle. And it's gonna give you like plus fifty armor.
0: I'm so metallic. excited for that. My husband was like he he made a funny guy too, and he was just like, I got clothes like, you know, right away and he like when I was like getting my quests done and he's like, Oh, I don't even recognize you. <laughs> like, what happened to her? <laughs> Close yeah. happened uh so yeah that's been fun oh. Just been playing that and i've been playing the witcher three on switch just because it's a little more intimate than i've played it before and um, i think i was always always playing it when i was like streaming or doing something so i never got to just have a really my own intimate experience doing every quest line that i want and playing it like that so i've been really enjoying it on the switch for that
1: oh you know that's a game that I would love to go back I never actually finished that game I've played it a bunch over the years but did, never like saw it all the way to the end and I really like want to because it's, it's like, awesome still to this day like one of the best rpgs ever made
0: so yeah. it's yeah. awesome and I, mm-hmm. I like it on the switch nice. like because you just kind of like kind of sort of pick it up and especially if you've kind of played it before I think you can always put it on the tv I mean, yeah. I mean, do that all the time yeah but um exactly anyway, yeah those are my games
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get a behind the scenes look at Ghostwire Tokyo. So Brittany and I were invited to go and see this presentation by Bethesda. So thank you to them for for inviting us. And I have to say, like, I I walked on this to this presentation, Brett, like really intrigued. Mm. Um. I really enjoyed The Evil Within from Tango a lot more than I thought I was going to. And so I was like, hmm, what are they going to do with Ghostwire? Let's take a look. I, though, want to hear your thoughts first. Okay. Because I think you as our resident horror video game connoisseur (laughs) slash enthusiast, um. I want to hear kind of like what what you think is, is is going down. And I do have some B-roll that they provided for us as well that I'm going to Bring be it showing. up,
2: baby girl, and I'll take you down the Ghostwire Tokyo yeah. path. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Ghostwire Tokyo is the next action-adventure game by Tango, founded by Shinji Mikami, who is also known as the father of survival horror. You know, you may have heard of a little Resident Evil franchise. Well, you can thank mostly him for that. Um, in Ghostwire Tokyo, you follow a young man named Akito, and he finds himself fused with this ghost hunter presence, spirit, if you will, named KK. And together, they are exploring Tokyo in pursuit of, and I quote, the truth. You have to track down the mastermind Hanya, or Hanya, I think is how you say it, um, which in Japanese cor- uh, culture and lore is, it's a, a demonic woman, I believe, is, and she's like very jealous demonic woman. And uh, you know she has like the horns and like the. If, if you've seen my husband Goro Majima from Yakuza, it's the thing that's tattooed on his back, actually. Actually, Andrea, let me just. Oh, oh, oh a oh, prop. Well, you see? Oh, I can't take his. Oh, I can't take it off. Okay, that, my friends, is. See, see the the face, the gold eyes. Oh, oh, oh you know we oh, definitely yeah. see oh, the yeah. face. Okay, so that's that's. Hanya. Anyway, Hanya mask. And it's a man wearing mask. Anyway, that's who you're trying to track down. Anywho. And along the way, you're trying to find his family and you're in Shibuya and a whole bunch of souls have vanished. And you're kind of like, what the fuck? Why is this happening? And you use this power. It's called your ethereal weaving to save people. And it kind of gives me some Bioshocky vibes. And you use it to exercise the threats, a.k.a. the enemies, which I believe are called the, oh God, what are they called? They have a name. Um, I can't remember exactly what the name is off the top of my head. Anywho, you have to get rid of all of them. You got to save spirits. You got to find your family. And that is exactly what you were doing in Ghostwire Tokyo. And I think what's really cool about it and the takeaway I had was how fun the combat looked. So it's called, again, Ethereal Weaving. And you're your main dude, Akito, he kind of like uses these like really like wild hand movements and you have all these like flashing colors and strings of light floating like light particles. And you're just watching that like happen in front of you. And then on top of that, you know, you can use like your bow as well to shoot enemies. And then you're trying to make these enemies weak enough where you're pulling these cores out. And I'm not entirely sure what the cores are used for, but you weaken them enough, you pull out the core. And that's kind of like, it looks like the main point of the combat is to collect them. I know you use the spirits, you collect, aka the people who have vanished from Shibuya, to turn them into a phone booth. I know this sounds wild and it is, but like, let's go with it here. You use a little paper handout called a, oh gosh, I don't remember what, a Katashiro. Here it is. And that's a traditional Japanese paper doll. Anyway, you use that to absorb the spirits of people in Shibuya and you give them to the phone booth and then that turns into money and experience points. And then then you can go down the huge like XP tree. Anywho, the vibe I really got from this was like, Okay, like the combat itself looks a lot like Bioshock in the sense that you have these really cool things happening in front of you and wandering around the streets of Shibuya, they're pretty much deserted at this point because everyone's vanished and you don't really know why. I thought it looked really fun. I thought, you know, it, it again, like this is like my jam, right? This is 100% up my alley. You have these creepy Japanese monsters, you know, according to Japanese lore, and you have this, these neon lights. It's rainy out. It's dark. It's creepy. Like, this is exactly what I kind of have been looking for. That said, though, we didn't get a lot of talk, I feel, about. Like I want to see more of the story of this game. I want the gameplay looks fun as hell, but I'm also just really intrigued. Like, where is Shinji Mikami going with the story of this? Um, it doesn't look like it's going to be incredibly like creepy, creepy, like super scary jump scare creepy, but more of like a psychological scare, which I think is kind of fun but there are all, all are also like these really fun little lighthearted moments where you'll be in a kumbini, a convenience store and there's this yokai cat and he sells you like all these cute like random things that you're going to need not cute random but like items you're going to need for your adventure so i think there's going to be some of that like weird humor sprinkled in there as well it has a very unique vibe and I... I didn't really know what to expect going into this preview, but it definitely was like a little different from what I was expecting, not in a bad way, but just in a, okay, like, this is heavily, heavily, heavily focused on combat, just from what we've seen in the preview anyway. And um, I'm kind of more curious about the narrative. We just didn't get a heck of a lot of it. Anyway, I've talked enough. Go on with your bad self, baby girl.
1: <laughs> no, I'm, thank you for that excellent kind of summary about what the game is and what kind of the gameplay is about. I think I left with more questions than answers from this preview event. A a lot of what I was really kind of hoping to see was maybe some explanation about, like, what's going on with the gameplay and what's happening, you know, with these cores and what you're doing. And I think, like, that was really what I was missing from – and we didn't get the chance to talk to the developers, which is, you know, one of the downsides to these digital events that we're doing. It's great that we get to, you know, kind of, like, attend virtually, but it means that there's some of that – missing like, hey, can you explain this thing to me that you don't don't get to ask them like on site? Mm -hmm. But that being said, um what I'm really intrigued with is how the combat is gonna work because I I, I'm gonna bring up some more of the combat from the B-roll that they provided us here. So like you know, bow and arrows like, you know, we know how that works. But for me it's like all of these hand gestures it's going to be interesting how weighty it feels when you actually get, you know, like either your controller in your hand or your mouse and keyboard, however you're planning on playing. Because I, it just feels a little bit more
2: flashy and for show. I
1: don't know what the Yeah, it feels like almost like a little bit lighter than I mm. want it to be like. I want it to have weight and I don't know how like this magic casting is going to work. And I think the thing that's really, you know. The thing I have the question about is like, where did you just suddenly get all of these like magical abilities from? Because you're supposed to be like a regular old human. You're not like a mage or a wizard or anything, right? This isn't like some high fantasy. You're set in like modern day Tokyo, right? And so it's like, where is all this coming from? And I think that that was maybe what was missing from our presentation is kind of like the genesis of how you get to where you are and how you get those powers, which obviously is going to be something that they're going to explain narratively. At least you assume that they're going to explain narratively when you play the game,
0: right? They're probably Um
1: Yeah, and like, I have to imagine that the reason they left it out of this preview event is because they specifically did it because they didn't want to spoil anything narratively, right? right? That happens a lot, right? When we see these preview events, like you leave with these questions like, but why? And they're like, it'll all become clear when you play the game, Mm. but we don't want to spoil it. I'm like, okay, that's... Sort of fair, but also like, dog. I'm so confused. Yeah. Um, but the game looks great, and I was really impressed with what Tango did with the Evil Within and the Evil Within Two. I liked that those games a lot more than I thought I was going to. And you know, if they're on a new quest to make a a new environment with some new combat and magic, I'm here for it. I'm definitely, like, really confused why Slenderman is everywhere. And that's actually (laughs) a really good,
2: that's a good point you bring up. I really, again, like, I've talked about, like, I'm studying Japanese, I want to, like, learn more about, like, the Japanese culture, and a lot of these um, enemies we're seeing, you know, I think they have some significance to that, even the little doll, the Katashiro doll that I was talking about. I hope there's almost, like, a a little in-game, like, codex if you will of explanations of like what these yeah. are cuz i think it's really cool that they're really leaning into all of these these things that like we in the west like we don't really know about and i think that's awesome cuz generally you know you're worried that people are going to go light on the culture and light on that kind of lore stuff cuz like it doesn't really make sense for the west so i love that they're really leaning into it but i think it would be really fascinating To kind of get an explanation of like that creature in the sky right now on youtube that's a tengu like what what is that and like why is that significant and you know i think that would just be so cool um yeah and and when it comes to the 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 abilities you have like i i have just kind of like what i've surmised is i know you're like a regular dude you end up fusing with the spirit hunter and you actually go to his apartment at one point in the preview that we saw and you kind of get a little bit of backstory about him and like how he ran with these like other ghost hunters and then he was led astray by something or another and you find like this weird glowing purple bow in one of his chests and he's like oh so you weren't like someone ordinary or you you know he akito kind of alludes to the fact like you weren't a normal person and so i'm wondering if fusing with kk kind of like gives you those weird powers but again like we don't know to what extent or how that how that actually makes sense then again it doesn't make sense that like hundred thousand people are out of shibuya or how many people are out of there The other thing that I thought was kind of fun, too, is as you're playing, because you really are, like, the only, like, sort of kind of, air quote here, human person there, you have KK kind of talking to you, um, and there's a lot of dialogue, and Akito seems like he's this more, like, reserved, chill, like, chill dude, where Akito kind of has, like, this little, like, spike, or spike, like, spark and sense of humor, a little bite to him, so I think that could make for a lot of interesting dialogue as you're playing, and, you know, there were some side quests that we saw in the gameplay as well, and it was kind of creepy, like leaving crackers on some shrine to summon some demon girl or something or another. And there are some timed elements, too, as when you're running through a building, you have to find these three cores um, to destroy this barrier that's outside this building you're in, because you're trapped if you don't do it. And it is a timed event, I thought that could be kind of interesting, kind of stressful who could say? And they did some really interesting things as you're walking around Shibuya. You know, you have, like, glitches around the uh, around the environment, like, things that shouldn't be the way they are. Like, there's bicycles hanging off the sides of buildings, and it's like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. But clearly that leans into the, the story itself. It reminds me a lot of the Fade in Dragon Age. If anyone's played a Dragon Age game, you know, the Fade is just kind of this otherworldly realm that doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's kind of what they've done with this um, environment we're in. Anyway, like I said, totally up my alley. I'm really excited to learn more. And I think the combat looks really interesting and fun. Again, I just kind of want to learn more about the story. Um, And I hope there's a little bit more. There's Hanya, man. A little bit more interaction. So.
1: I want to give them a shout out, though, for what I think so far is a really great recreation of Shibuya. I didn't get to spend like a ton of time there when I went to Japan for TGS, but watching this gameplay demo during this event, I was like, wow, it really feels like how I felt walking the streets of of Japan, the the vending on the street, the really kind of closed in alleyways yeah. and I think stylistically, obviously, that team knows (laughs) exactly the ins and outs of Shibuya. And I think, you know, it's going to be a really um, fun game to kind of traverse, especially if you've actually been to Tokyo. So um, lots to look forward to. I think that this game has some really... The spellcasting looks really cool. um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that looks very fun. That's up my alley.
1: Yeah. And there's, like Brittany said, there's a lot of um direct references to deep japanese folklore in the game and gameplay elements and so how they're how deep they're gonna go down that rabbit hole and how many different types of you know kind of nods to japanese folklore we're gonna yeah, see in like not only enemy types but um kind of like these little tchotchkes yeah. and things that you use throughout the world i think is gonna be really fascinating yeah, cool. so yeah the game uh game so Seems far like looks like it fun in well, vr just too. Just confused. Oh, it'd be terrifying in VR. So cool. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, y'all are crazy. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, we have a couple questions that we wanted to ask you, Michelle, while we have you here. Um, Most notably, I think something that I was really intrigued by that you have been working on recently, and something that one of our patrons wrote in about was. Might you ask Michelle, writes Daniel Hull, when is she going to write her next Celestial Body book and has she stepped up her Uh Wordle game? So speaking of Celestial Bodies, you have a moon time planner. Can you tell us a little bit
0: more about what this is? Yeah, it's so silly, guys. This is like pandemic. I wanted to create something for myself and uh, in doing so... I like planners and like journals and stuff. Like I've always liked that. I've got a million of them. I don't know if you guys are those kinds of girls too, but I have lots of them. And, um, and I kept finding that I was carrying like three books around the house with me all the time because Mm -hmm. I'd have one that was a journal and one that was kind of more like calendar based and one that was like more of like a planner, but it had like daily spreads. Like, so I had all these different systems and I was like, well, what if I just put them all in one? And, um, I've always been really into like, Tarot. This is just like my hobby. Like, like the things that I like to do. I I collect tarot cards. I, um, I I just I've been having so much fun with that, like since high school. So, um, anyway, I, I thought there's something kind of during the pandemic to find motivation and to stay on course and to, I don't know. I don't know if you guys. I'm sure every you guys went through this. Everybody kind of went through this of like you know just making sure that you continue to have purpose as you Mm -hmm. move forward the phases of the moon kind of like help you do that. Like, you know, when it's new, it's new and you set new intentions. And then as the moon grows to the full moon, you're growing your intentions as well. And then when it's at the full moon, you kind of stop and recognize what you've been able to accomplish in the last couple of weeks. And then you take the next couple of weeks to sort of reflect and refine. So it's just sort of like a little cycle to get onto mm. um, that for me helps me with project planning and creativity because i can ask myself so how i set up the planner was that every day you can see what phase the moon is in and um, it will ask you a question that's based on the moon phase and also based on the astrological sign that the moon is in so and that changes every couple days so it's just kind of a fun thing to like if you're into like planners and you like actually like to write it out like pen and paper which i do um it'll have everything in there so that you can like have a couple journal prompts if you want to answer them if you don't you don't have to but i made it for myself and i taught myself how to use InDesign and uh my husband kind of helped me with it too because he's a he's a coder so he helped me with certain like templates and stuff but I drew it all out and just I just had fun with it. I don't know. It's just a silly side thing that I decided to do because I was like, well, if I want it, I have a couple friends who were like, oh, I want one. Can you print one for me? And then I was looking at how much printing costs for this one fucking book. And, and, you know, so I was like, well, maybe I just like put it up on Amazon and then I can order it for myself because it doesn't cost anything to do that. Like, I'll just put it up there and and order it myself and then maybe other people want to order it too and it's done really well so i'm gonna put this like to answer daniel hall uh the second quarter should be up um by the end of the month so that's so
1: cool <laughs> yeah i i'm look i'm looking at it and uh you have great reviews on amazon oh, really? by the way <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know if you've looked at your reviews recently. Um, I mean, I have a problem. Whenever I buy anything, I'm like, let me read all of the reviews. Make sure it's like, oh, Oh, it's terrible. Like, it's okay to buy something without reading reviews. But your reviews are great. Um, And I'm with you that I love planning on paper. There's something in about physically writing it Mm -hmm. out it feels like it cements it more in my brain than using planner apps and I've tried lots of planner apps and I always like I can do like for literally just a pad of paper
0: I can use my calendar I'm really attached to that um and I have a to-do list that I use but like a app but any planner app I've never been able to do
2: I always say I'm gonna use it and then I don't i just forget yeah. about it and it doesn't happen i love that so what's it called like the official title of it
0: um moon time planner
2: okay it? Yeah.
1: oh i love that you have oh, it right there it's yes. great oh, right. yeah, yeah it's cool um uh, i like it and if you're interested and you're listening you're like "Ooh, i want to check out michelle's planner we have her links in the show notes be sure to click on that and It'll take you to her her link tree where you can get to her Amazon page. Just go to Moontimeplanner.com. So you can Check It'll out. will take you there too. Like, awesome.
0: You know. But yeah, if you guys, I would there love you, if you guys, I'd love to send you guys a copy if you guys want one. I'd love to send them to you.
1: Absolutely. Yes, uh, that'd it's be just amazing. For this quarter, but
0: you know, I'll get your addresses and I'll send you guys both. Thank one. you. Fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic. Now, I was mentioning your Amazon influencer page because some people on this show may realize that I have a TikTok problem. <laughs> um, and because of that, almost, almost all the people that I find on TikTok who are doing like cleaning talk or ADHD talk or whatever have like these Amazon pages, their influencer pages, where all of the, you know, things that they show in their TikToks you can buy. And I found yours and it's full of all these amazing kind of like self-care items. And in particular, you have a ton of yeah, crystals yeah. and I wanted to kind of hear about how you got into crystals <laughs> and like the healing power of crystals. Cause I know some people kind of feel like it's like very like granola. Hippie, dippy. Like, oh, I don't know. They're I just rocks, fine. but I'm like,
0: I don't they're know. Just- I'm, I think they're it's pretty cool. and they're fun and like, you know, my husband will be like, "Did you just spend money on fancy rocks?" and then like, <laughs> Feel good." Okay? Yeah. Um I don't know. I I mean, I some of my best girlfriends that I've had for like 20 years, like, you know, it'll be like gifts that we'll give each other for Christmas or for birthdays or whatever, like give a nice crystal or something cute that you can put in your house and Um, but over the pandemic, I realized I had so many of them, you guys, like I I have them like on my desk, like so many people have just like given them to me or I just like people, like, you know, people give each other like salt and pepper shakers and stuff or like something like a lot of people have given me crystals. So I decided to like like catalog them and like read about what they do or like what their like meaning is or whatever. So, I mean, mostly I just think they're pretty and you know, there's ones that they say like you should carry with you if you want to feel a certain way. And, um, you know, I just think that if you have something around that you vibe with that like makes you feel good, whether, whatever it is, if it's artwork or whatever, like having those things around you that inspire you or make you feel good, like, you know, I this one that I was like super drawn to it was so beautiful it's like this bright yellow crystal and I was like, Oh this is gorgeous and I had it on my desk for a while until I realized it was sulfur. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't have it by like where the cats oh gonna no. kill my animals. <laughs> So you have to be careful, guys. Like when you get it, like
1: just look it up. Just because it's pretty doesn't mean it's it doesn't not toxic. You,
0: like, or dissolve your body. So just be careful. Like, what
1: is happening?
0: My cat, my cat was like, oh, is that
1: a cat? What? Yes. Zeus. She's like, yeah, bitch, you tried to kill me with sulfur <laughs> yeah, exactly. rocks. I
0: think. Hold oh on, let's Zeus. I'm gonna show you guys Zeus. One second. One second. Sorry. Let's
1: sorry. see yes. Zeus. Yes. Zeus. Yes. Zeus Zeus Zeus, 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 Zeus! We love cat. We Zeus love cat
2: Zeus appearances. Now. I should bring Reb on the show more. He's just too crazy. I can't.
1: Oh, oh. oh I haven't seen Reb in I so know. long. He
0: lost though. a lot of weight.
2: He's not fat anymore. Yeah, did yeah. he? Yeah. What? <gasps> okay, oh. Okay. my let's God! Look. I see why Zeus. Look, look at the flops. Flops. The cat. All I see is fur. I don't see Zeus. a cat. I see a it fluff is. ball with eyes. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> YouTube.com <laughs> slash what's Good Games for the you. content.
1: If you want the, the fluff, the floofy cat oh content.
0: Oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> That's Zeus. amazing. He's I the love greatest. Zeus. You, you, yeah, he's it's wonderful. Um, anyway. So, yeah, if you want to get a moon time planner, guys, I'm going to send you guys one. And if anyone wants one, just, you know, you know where to go. Click, click the link more, in the show more notes. Yeah. Will be available soon. Um, and, and I'm going to be upgrading it. Like right now with self-publishing, I can really only like, I can't put like bookmarks and I can't like sell like put stickers with it or artwork and stuff. So, um, I'm trying to get a publisher and work with somebody that I can do art with. So we'll see. We'll see. It's just a fun little side thing. Why yeah. Not? Super fun.
1: <laughs> it's cool. I love it. Well, we we, we were going to talk about some of the cool projects you're working on, but they're all like top secret, uh, so, yeah, we, so, so we so we can't. But I mean, since we have you here, we didn't get a chance to really talk about it, but you have clearly a long history with working mm-hmm. with Blizzard. And I would love to hear your thoughts on how of what you think about them being acquired by by Microsoft Gaming and if you think that's good for blizzard and like there are some subsequent i know we talked about diablo for mm-hmm. for a minute there but you know good for wow good for everything else they're doing does this mean starcraft's coming back <sighs> um like sure what we'll what, what we'll do you go. think as, as like a big as a big blizzard someone and um, someone who's worked well on blizzcon for so gosh, many years? you know
0: i i do think it's a good thing for them um in the sense of like it's good for the employees um and i think that i mean look bobby Kotick's gonna get a, a golden parachute out of this like that guy is you know he's yeah. you know whatever but like maybe it's better that he's we always knew he was going everywhere. to though right like no matter if
1: microsoft bought him or if he just exited like he was he was always going to be the guy who got to like sail yeah. off into the sunset with his millions of dollars no matter what egregious yeah. atrocities he's he logan committed roy during he's like succession
0: yeah and the guy is like you know he's fortified by his like best friends on the board like he nothing's happening to that guy like and and he like the fact that he even blamed their their tanking stock prices on on the devs to say like oh well they didn't like push out overwatch two fast enough or like you know you just kind of go oh Icky, boy Icky. Dude. like come on yeah so um i think it's at the end of the day regardless of him like of what he gets and how he gets away and how he gets away with it um i i I think it's really good for the company and and all in all i think you know phil is like a way better leader um and i think they'll be happier there and be able to uh make have just a better environment like you know not that like microsoft has always been perfect you know i'm not saying that at all like you know of course they did not want to play with women and then they were like how's 50 million um so you know there's not always like a perfect scenario yeah. but i do think that it's a better scenario and i do think that they're probably a better studio for for everything um to, or you know to have the studio there i, I think that it's going to be better in the long run yeah it was shocking though i mean i didn't know anything about it so i did not heard anything
1: yeah, well, according to, like, insider talks, it came together rather quickly. Like, I had thought, like, that a deal of that magnitude had been in the mm-hmm. works for a while. But then we get some kind of insider info after the fact that's like, oh, actually, <laughs> Microsoft just decided to spend $70 billion on the a The thing whim. that
0: frustrates me probably the most in it, like, if I were to look at the frustrating part, is that... You know the 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 stock price fell and became low because women were harassed and and abused and not paid the same, not paid equal, um, and and the fact that that became a uh, an inviting price point. Um, you know even though you know like Xbox or uh, Microsoft still paid over the the price point. Um, They paid the they paid the pre lawsuit price, yeah. Um, But you know who knows like what it would have been at or whatnot. But I think it just made it inviting to make that sale even possible because I think they know they need to do it. Um, so it kind of sucks that in one way, like I don't know if the women are really going to see any kind of money in this, and if it's just like a bunch of dudes like profiting off the fact that this became possible because women came forward. And are those women even being taken care of? Like you look at like. The, the fact that the federal lawsuit is being handled and settled, but the state lawsuit is not. And that's in a big disarray right now, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if those women are ever going to get paid. I mean, riot just settled theirs for like what a hundred million, like, but it was like a week ago I and mean, people forget, like pretty sure everyone was like super stoked about Arcane coming out and forgot the fact that they haven't settled with any of the women in that lawsuit. So I don't know. Um, I'm glad that it's going to happen because it's going to be in a better spot, but it I am like kind of go that sucks, man. I really hope that the women get properly taken care of, you know? That's what I hope.
1: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. And like like you said, it's like is that ever going to happen? How do you how do you go back and give restitution to women over literally decades worth of abuses that are coming to light and is there a way to do that and You know, I don't have the answers for that. And the only thing I can say to echo what you mentioned was that it feels like a better step in the right direction. The the new leadership underneath Phil Spencer's team. And I think that based off what I've heard from people who have been internal at Xbox, everything seems to be pretty positive there. Obviously, there's always going to be bad act bad everywhere, actors everywhere. bad apples whatever you want to call them every everywhere um but you know all we can hope is that the people at the top that are moving the needle are doing their due diligence to make the trickle totally. down actually work and not just have a bunch of fluff for a pr bump but to actually like put it into practice and say hey no we actually Want to make sure that people are protected. And, and I don't know Phil outside of
0: like meeting him you know? a couple times, you know, at, at events or whatever. But like, he's always seemed like a pretty stand up guy. Like as far as like all like the different gaming like dudes go,
1: he is. I I've I've known Phil for over a decade now. Like I first met Phil in two thousand nine. Um, back when he was you know I, like I don't want to say a low level because I think b- even back then he was still a VP wow. <laughs> um, I mean he's been with Microsoft Forever, for a very yeah. long time and like he's never been anything but a really fantastic person and to see him kind of take leadership reins and really kind of put um, you know the money where the mouth is right like he's like never once kind of wavered from some of the core values that he's always stood behind and Like I said, all you can do is talk to people who work at these companies and go, are you happy here? Do you think that leadership is listening to you? Do you feel supported and empowered? And the people that I've talked to have all said yes, you know, particularly women, women in particular oh, at Xbox that I know have had nothing but positive experiences. And I think that that bodes well for the future of employees of Activision Definitely. Blizzard, because that would think t- to us. And we talked about it on the show before, because one of our former co-hosts, one of the founders of What's Good Games, Alexa Ray Correa, now works for Sledgehammer Games underneath Activision's label. And we were like, how unfair is it for her to be working on this game that she's so proud of, Call of Duty Vanguard? to not be able to like go out and that's celebrate it on yeah. the internet because of all of this mm-hmm. shit, you know? Like that's yep. not her fault, you know?
0: It sucks for all the employees so. that are caught in the crossfire of the whole thing. Like outside of just the people, like women who weren't paid equal and stuff, like that's the kind of thing they should just, I mean, that was the main part of the lawsuit, right? Like the abuse stuff was actually the second count in the lawsuit. So like their big thing was right. like the gender you know, pay disparity. Pay so discrimination yeah. is that maybe they will like be able to at, at least with that portion be able to look at it and say you know make that right or like whatever that looks like like if they can make that right for uh people i think that's important and then they can figure out the you know the the heavier stuff on like a separate thing because they're just separate they're just different umbrellas you know so but yeah, yeah, for all of the employees that are there, I'm actually looking forward to what it'll look like. I don't know if the sale will go through, to be honest. Like, I'm a little concerned about mm, just with the way our gaming is and meta and like all, of, I think it's just an NFT. I think this is going to be a lot bigger of a conversation than, you know, we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. think in Congress and stuff, they're going to look at it like, hmm, I don't know what you guys are all up to. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs>
1: Maybe I'm just jaded that like Congress is going to look at it and make a show of looking at
0: yeah, it. I mean, you're probably right.
1: <laughs> they're going to let me, like,
0: we're looking at it, but like, It's, look, okay, just it's working so one time they're going to fail It's fine. It's fine.
1: People aren't actually paying yeah, attention. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're probably right. <laughs> um, okay. Listen, to end the show, I want to end on like a, a lighter note. Um, Parker wants to know, and I. Never ask people to name their so favorite video game of all time because I think it's an unfair. Yep. It's an, unfair, it's an question. unfair question. But what was a favorite game that you played last I mean, year in 2021?
0: I didn't. I'll be honest with you guys. Like I didn't play any real like new games. Like I played a lot of like replayed games. You're not alone. You're not alone. You know? like, like I played still, like still
1: still on Animal I Crossing. Say, like, I played last Animal Crossing for, for yeah.
0: a solid like two years straight. Um, and yeah, and then restarted The Witcher at the end of the year and I played a game called Cat Quest.
2: I love that game so much so cute oh sorry i got really excited adorable it's I'm a so lovely co-op it. game oh my god it's, it's adorable. a great little game
0: it is um played that mm-hmm. uh and you know i i played a lot of world of warcraft <laughs> because my my guild was a raiding guild and so we were raiding you know two to three days a week for like nine months like we were that's intense is. That's and a lot of rating. Leader, so it's Ooh. it's a lot of it's a lot of work but it's fun wait what
1: there's like you just like cracked open a nut that i didn't know we had you because there's something so special about the person who leads the raids like that's a skill skill. set that like not everybody has do you raid lead oh i've no no i don't I, i would listen you know what's funny about you asking me that is that people who are friends with me and who know me know that like I'm kind of a bossy britches and I like to be in charge and I like to take lead. Brittany's nodding like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And like, I know sometimes it can be super annoying and overbearing and you would think that I would be like, I'm the raid leader. But what's happened is, like, particularly with my Destiny clan that I raid with, is that I just don't have the time to devote to learning the mechanics of the raid. And I have such imposter syndrome when I go into some of these raids that I'm like, maybe if I can just, like, sit in the back of the the yoga class, no one's gonna notice that I'm doing everything (sighs) incorrectly. As long as I don't die too much, I'll be okay. And so I've never actually, like, led a raid. And it kind of pains me to say because I feel like I'd be a really good I you raid would. leader and so that's like I'm like you. so excited that you are the raid leader I love I think that's that why I you. asked you
0: because I feel like you have the right personality to do it like as somebody I've been doing it for like 10 years like I like oh. you totally have the ability to do it it's fun
1: oh it's thank fun. you thank I you it. I think it's fun so so, how many raids have you led at this point? Oh, do you Lord. think? I mean,
0: like, well, I did all of like uh, Wrath of the Lich King, so every raid within that, and then all the raids in Cataclysm, and wow. half the raids in Mists. Uh, but I quit in Mists for a little bit. I didn't. I did a little bit of BFA, and that's when I kind of kind of started stepping away. I didn't play the last the last expansion. Last, I didn't play Legion or BFA really. Um, I was super over the storyline and really mad about it. So, like, uh, I was real, I was trying to protest. <laughs> I was angry.
1: Mad at something you love. Oh, something. yeah. And now that we're episode. here
0: and I knew <laughs> that we were going to end up fighting Sylvanas, and that's such a big, important thing to, like, the core of my, like, who I am. So, I like, think she's so important to me that I was like, you know what? This is, this is, I'm coming back. So, I came back and then we we were doing 20, we were doing up to 30 person raids, actually. Like, they were a lot of fucking Damn, people. girl. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, wow, right there. Yeah, that's amazing. A core though. group, you know, like yeah. that we've had for so many years. Like my guild has been around forever, and and then we get random people just from like BlizzCon or whatever. So like everybody is. We had a great time. I mean, we're definitely not like the top top kind of, but we're like top four thousand. We didn't do bad.
1: Damn. I mean that's uh, yeah. that's impressive considering how huge yeah it's huge is. so that was
0: it was not bad but it's always funny when a guy comes in and you're like the girl raid leading like oh boy this guy like he lost his fucking mind like there's so many guys will just like pickups so that'll just come in and be like try to just roll over you and steamroll you and talk over and tell you what's going on they're gonna
1: mansplain you oh, in your amazing. own rage but raid?
0: it's always funny because I'll say something to shut them down and then everyone laughs and they rage quit and it's amazing it's a really satisfying thing guys
2: what do you think about the <laughs> new? Because I read today that Horde and Alliance can start raiding together.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a cool, really right? Big deal. Yeah, I mean, I go back and forth on it, but at the end of the day, it's it's best. It's not great for the storyline, but really great for okay. the players. Like for the players, it's amazing, and like to have more, especially if you're on a slow server, it's it's kind of amazing. So yeah, cool. That was my game. I'm sorry I can't tell you more. Like, that was the game I played the most. No,
2: that's awesome. I played a (laughs) lot of WoW back in my day. I started around... I think it was Lich King and then I ended up stopping my aunt played a lot of WoW and so my aunt got me into it she got like my cousins into it so we had like this family little like guild going That's on. Fine. It was so much fun and I had such a great time with it. I just kind of ended up fizzling out on it but um, yeah, I always. think of I think of WoW fondly. It was a really fun moment in my life when I really got close with like my family cuz like we all bonded over it. So it's fun well, when to it's in hear the metaverse, you talk about you it. You should
0: come join our guild Absolutely.
2: I would love to. <laughs> I'll be there with my board ape. It'll be great. <laughs>
1: i love it i love it um like one last thing do you think they're ever going to bring wow to console this is why i haven't played wow because it hasn't been on console will wow finally come to console now that xbox
0: owns them like for it to be on console like i think if now that microsoft is in charge of it i would imagine that they would really be trying to move it onto the xbox like if they're not then i don't understand because like Especially with Metaverse coming. like you, You've you got to do that. You've got to do that. You've got to put it on the Xbox. We'll see what happens. But I think it will.
1: Why not, right? Like, I can't believe, like, after all this time, like, there hasn't been a console port. Especially looking at how well MMOs uh, have 14, done on right? consoles. Yeah, like, killing it. Right? Well, I mean, Destiny. in Destiny 2, and knowing how many people have Game Pass subscriptions, it's like, and not just PC, right? Like, the Xbox subscriptions is like,
0: People are so funny, funny about their computers people. in this in this community. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I personally can't even, I, I, like, it's hard for me to play um, with a controller, with a gamepad, because it hurts my hands so much. Like, I wish there were smaller ones. Like, kid, do they just sell kid's size or, like, women's hand size? Like, why is that not a thing? <laughs> why can't they, they make do? money? They there's, do. There's a couple...
1: Is there, a- there is a couple companies that sell third-party ones I yeah
0: microsoft themselves doesn't do it and be like here is the smaller size and i would get i would buy it so fast so fast in like 10 colors <laughs> i'd be so all over it um but yeah the, the, they're always a little big for me so i always prefer computer but i would imagine that putting it on console would get like a whole new base of players that would oh, be yeah. so excited to play yeah yeah
1: well, isn't there? Can't you use your mouse and keyboard on Xbox now? Uh, I don't know if like it's because uh, for some friends, not every game supports it. it but does. like I thought, my friends did it for was Overwatch,
0: a thing. Um, and it was not like great, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. So it's not like optimal playing, but you can do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess people out there would be like, but if you have a gaming PC, why
0: would you do it? Why would yeah. you do that? <laughs> and then the answer is like, to sit on your couch. Just play on your yeah. PC. Sit on your couch and pass yes. the controller off to other people while you're drinking or something. Like that's that's the fun part of it, right? So,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Michelle, this has so been fun. really fun to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to chat with us about uh, what you've been playing and to give us your fantastic insights onto some of the, the hot news that's been happening. If people want to keep up with what you're working on and follow you and learn more about
0: your moon planner, where can they, where can they do that? Uh, just on social media at Michelle Morrow. Michelle's the one L uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, and, and, my, and my moon time planner does have a TikTok girl. So that's, yeah. What? You never told I me just, you have a I TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing.
2: That's no why. one does. It, it's fine. <laughs> just have fun.
1: <laughs> it's TikTok is like the wild west of, of digital content creation. You can do whatever you I want on it. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode. Britt and I will be back next week with more new games to talk about. We hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we will see you next time. Bye, Bye, everybody.